listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my co-hosts, Kyle Russo and Fonz DeFalco. Quick shout out to both of you guys being here tonight. James is missing tonight, but we will have him back. Yes, we are back after a month hiatus, 8 to 10 p.m. on a Wednesday. Catch us here tonight on Facebook Live. Like our page. Subscribe to us here at Review and Preview Sports. Give us a follow. You can follow us on Instagram at Review and Preview. And our audio podcast is up on anchor.fm slash Review and Preview. Any fan questions, feel free to comment in the feed. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll get back to you. Uh, and, of course, Fonz, tonight is actually your last show as a yeah. co-host, full-time co-host of Review and Preview. So we're going to miss you, buddy. Yeah, you know, it's been uh, – you guys gave me a chance uh, well over a year ago, um, moving on to other things. But I'll still be around from time to time. It's just, you know, just figured it would be the best to move on here. But I will be back, like I said, from time to time. It's just a removal of being a permanent co-host week to week. 100%. And uh, viewers, uh, feel free, spread the love, spread some comments for us here tonight. Uh, funds, we are definitely going to continue to keep a good relationship with you. Uh, and, um, we definitely look forward to a quick shout out. Uh, my mom's birthday is tomorrow. I just wanted to wish her a quick happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Happy uh, birthday. Thank you guys. Uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we have a lot to go through tonight. So obviously we will talk about some MLB news. We will preview the MLB season, which starts tomorrow. Then we're going to have a guest caller on for our NHL segment, segment, Connor Walsh. We're going to talk about the NHL restart. We're going to preview the NBA restart. Then we're going to talk some NFL news, get into the meat and potatoes of that, and then we will end our show. We'll have um, some hot topics, too, on the Mets and the Yankees, as I know. I'm donning Jacob DeGrom here tonight here in Queens on the East Coast. A couple of thunderstorms early on, some thunder and lightning, but I think it's right. It's yeah, now it's it you'll hear it. You'll hear it on my mic. So apologies <laughs> ahead of time for that one. So, um, Fonz, we'll actually get that uh, banner up for you here quick. There it is. Thank oh, you, Fonz DeFalco. Oh, oh, I feel so. I'm so touched, really. It's going to cry tonight, really. <laughs> so, um, and there it is. We will have our ticker below us. Let's get started. Baseball returns tomorrow. I'm psyched. I don't know about you guys. It probably shouldn't be happening, but it is. <laughs> we thought weeks, remember, like every other week, Russo remembers, we went back and forth. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's th- there goes that weather. So, weather issue number one of the night as Fawn's screen is frozen. Uh, so we will get that block A up, preview MLB season and funds. When you're able to get back on, we will uh, get that taken care of here shortly. Uh, so as Fonz was just saying, he's looking forward to baseball coming back. Kyle, I know me and Fonz are Mets fans. You're a Yankees guy. Uh, I know you're personally looking forward to it. I believe the Yankees start tomorrow, right? Yep. They start uh, against the Nationals. Um Opening day. Uh, I believe Dr. Fauci is throwing out the first pitch for them as well, which is kind of cool. But uh, definitely, definitely very, very excited as, 
you know, Fonz was just discussing during the month of June, it didn't look like it was going to happen. And then even in parts of the um, early July, it didn't look like it was going to happen either. Uh, but finally scrapped together a 60 game season. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. We've been having these exhibition games the last couple of days and they've been pretty successful uh, in regards to uh, numbers and cases of COVID going down. So that's definitely beneficial, especially because they're not running a, a bubble system, but we'll see what happens if they could get through these 60 games in a playoff. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's definitely going to be a challenge. Quick uh, update. Fonz is having a power issue right now, so we will get him back up as soon as we can. Uh, his power actually just came back on. He's rebooting, so he will be back in just a couple of moments. Uh, as, yes, he was in the middle of talking. So, Kyle, the big news today is the signing of Mookie Betts, right? Yep. Uh, the new Los Angeles Dodger, a... 12-year, $365 million extension, a deal that's worth north of $390 million. So now he has a 13-year contract in total, and this is a guy who has not played a single game in a Dodgers uniform yet. Thoughts on that? Um, definitely well-deserving. He knew whichever team he was going to end up with, he was going to get paid. I was surprised that it was the Dodgers because the trade originally to me at least looked like it was going to be a one-year rental for them. It looked like it was going to be um, that guy that was going to push them over the edge. You know, they were going to finally win the World Series. Obviously, COVID hit, and now we only have a 60-game season and a playoff as well. But it was just interesting to see that he'd be the guy to get the contract considering they have so many young and upcoming guys um, that deserve to be maybe even higher paid than Mookie guy. You know, you look at a guy in Cody Bellinger. Uh, Max Muncy, uh, Max Muncy is an up and coming guy. You saw Kershaw, uh, just got paid, uh, during the off season as well, where he signed a three year, hundred million dollar deal or something like that. So they had a lot of contracts, you know, in a, in a salary, in a sport where the cash space seems astronomical, they're going to have a lot of, a lot of contract issues within the next couple of years, but whatever gets into that world series, I guess, but definitely well-deserving of that contract. No doubt about it. I'm going to disagree a little bit. I think if it's in-house, it's one thing, but I think he hasn't proven himself yet as a Dodger. I think the switch from organization, I'd look something more with like a five-year extension, not as far as 12 maybe, because Kyle, this contract's going on until the man is 40 years old. Well, you know, players, they want their security. They're not looking as a a player of his magnitude. You know, he's not going to be signing for that five-year deal uh, that you're talking about. I mean, 13, uh, 12 years, definitely surprising, but you know, no matter where he was going to go, he was at least going to get 10 years because that's what the market, you know, allowed him to get. You know, you look at Machado, you look at Harper. Those are those are the type of contracts. He's on that type of uh, level of play. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. If it happens to any guy, this is probably the best contact hitter in baseball right now in general. Yeah. Uh, look, and it's just crazy. Now that Mookie Betts gets signed today, Mike Trout declares he will play in the 2020 season. And now we're talking about possibly a 16 team playoff, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But Kyle, uh, talk about the 60 game season. They announced just a few weeks ago in the scheduling for MLB teams. It's going to be an interesting ride. You know, there's parts of me that thinks that it's going to work. And there's parts of me that think it's not going to work. You know, we, we, we've seen an NBA bubble that started July 1st, and for an entire month, you saw COVID cases still happening. And, you know, we just heard yesterday that there were no cases, and then we just heard about Aaron Baines, you know, in a, in a bubble-type situation somehow getting it, even though he wasn't in the bubble but looking to join. 
it's going to be interesting when you have teams still traveling in and out of their, you know, hometowns in which they play in and not having that become an issue. Uh, do I think it's possible? I really don't know, to be honest with you. I really don't know. You know, you look at a team like the Blue Jays, too. Do they even have a playing field yet? I know that something no, happens. They, they don't even have a playing field yet, and the season starts tomorrow. So a lot of things are delayed. A lot of things are in a crazy whirl and spin when it comes to the situation of everything. But it's going to be, you know, when you're still traveling, it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see what happens. You know, you worry about injuries enough as a baseball player when you uh, play. I know the Yankees specifically. They play 60 games in 67 days. It's not a lot of time off. Now you also got to work about a, a worry about a deadly virus hitting you too, not on top of the actual baseball injuries that come with playing that many games in that limited amount of time. Um, but definitely going to be interesting to see what happens uh, during this uh, next couple months. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. It's going to be an interesting uh, start for the MLB season to see if the COVID cases uh, play a factor or not. I know there's been some player opt-outs. Actually, 10 umpires have opted out so far the 2020 season. He's back. That was weird. <laughs> just all of a sudden I'm talking and then just poof, everything. So, yeah, the power went out, people. I apologize for that, but I'm back for now, hopefully. Uh, what did I leave off on? That's the main question. We're talking about the baseball season being so excited for your uh, New York Mets to come back. Well, not right the Mets there. part, but, yeah, basically it was just went back and forth and excited. Excited that it is back, though. A lot of sports are coming back. So, yeah, we'll get back. I'll, I'll jump into your guys' conversation now. So we were just talking about how um, 10 umpires opted out. It's going to be interesting to see how the COVID cases go up and down throughout the season. Uh, I know scheduling wise. So for instance, the Yankees will play all the teams in the AL East and the NL East. They won't play anybody outside of that. They're trying to minimize the amount of teams. I feel like uh, that come in contact with each other. And it's smart thinking about it in hindsight, because the further we get, into uh the season we get closer into that season where you know the weather starts to get a a little worse as far as temperature wise and things you know in the summer things die down so you know it's definitely a little bit concerning and i hate to say this guys we've seen a lot of the older players opt out in the mlb and i think rightfully so we saw ryan zimmerman opt out mike leak ian desmond from the Rockies, David Price, a Dodger, and Felix Hernandez, and Nick Marcakis, a couple of Braves. What do, what do these guys have in common? Majority of them are older players in the league who are opting out. Buster Posey ain't no spring chicken anymore either. He opted out for the San Francisco Giants. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see who else opts out. I think the deadline might have passed. I don't know if anyone else can opt out at this point, but I think if somebody comes down with COVID, that I know, I think it's you go on the 10 day IL. I know in the NBA, it's uh, I'm sorry, in the NFL, it's going to be three weeks. You're you're out. But uh, man, let me tell you something. That's definitely concerning. Definitely concerning for sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, You know, specifically when you look at the uh, when you look at the um, when you look at the age of these players, you know, a lot of them, they opted originally for uh, a lot of different reasons, obviously, because of COVID, of course. but then you look at a guy like Trout, Tommy, you're talking about the opt-out date deadline. I don't, you know, is there, is there an opt-out date deadline for him to officially announce just an hour ago that he's going to be coming back to play considering the season is starting tomorrow? 
is there is there an opt out date? I mean, I feel like at any point in the season, a player would be allowed to, especially one that winds up getting diagnosed with it at some point in the season, because you know there's been some lucky cases, and I don't know if you guys heard about the Freddie Freeman story, but he had, um, even though he came back after two weeks, he had one of the worst cases uh, from what he spoke about personally. I don't know if you guys heard about it or not, but uh, he had a really bad situation. I read, yeah. I read a little bit about that. Yeah. I heard he was uh, he was you know praying that nothing bad happened to him. So I know yeah. he he definitely had one of the worst cases out there. Uh, other people had opted out uh, for the Braves. There were three opt outs, including their coach Eric Young. Three players from the Nationals opted out. Two Minnesota Twins coaches. I don't think anyone's opted out yet for the Mets or Yankees. Um, Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Yeah. So yeah. at least that's a good thing, you know. Um, but, yeah, and now there's rumors about the 16-team playoff. What do you guys think about that? I know they extended it now with five and five in each conference with the two wild cards to ten, but to go up six teams, do you think that's a fair uh, amount for the MLB? I think it is. I mean, listen, I think it's a way to try out different things. We've talked about expanding playoffs. I mean, both the NBA and the MLB trying out different things. I know the MLB is doing a runner on second and extra innings if if they have to get to that scenario. So, if there's a time to try all these rules and in, in real in-game scenarios, I mean, try it out now. We'll see how it works. And if it doesn't, you just go back to the regular tradition. So, listen, it's 60 games. So, get more teams in the playoff hunt, you know, and make it a little bit more interesting come playoff time. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you knew, yeah. you, you knew they were going to do something like this eventually. I, I obviously didn't think it was going to be so late, considering that, again, that's not set in stone, but they're talking about it. It'll probably wind up at some point be set in stone, but considering the season starts tomorrow, it's a little delayed. But when you look at the NHL, you know, they're bringing in um, 22 or 24 teams, I believe it was, uh, from the entire NHL uh, into the playoff race. The NBA bringing in 22 teams, I believe, uh, as well into the mm-hmm. bubble to play. You knew that the MLB had to do something like that just to make it fair, especially considering that they're only playing a 60-game season when it's usually 162. So they had to make it a little more fair, and I have no problem with that. Yeah, you had to pull the string somewhere. Uh, so now that we're talking about baseball, let's start with the Mets, then we'll talk about the Yankees, the two New York teams. So obviously the Mets entered the 2020 campaign with a little drama surrounding the Wilpons and their ownership situation. No surprise because it's been a circus for a while, ever since I've been alive pretty much. Uh, now there's bidders, including Steve Cohen, obviously he put the bid down, had to back out, and now A-Rod and J-Lo are involved. They actually – a rumor they plan to invest anywhere between 225 to 300 million into their Mets bid. And now we're talking about some football stars, including Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, NBA star, Bradley Beal. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty Um, crazy considering that you could see that you could see, you know, uh, a top celebrity, one of the, best former players to ever play baseball in a rod, you know, obviously the circumstances, but, and then some current athletes as well uh, to own a, a franchise altogether like that. And to be honest, they may win, you know, you've seen already some bad blood between the will ponds and the Steve Cohen fiasco. It might be in favor of choosing the other side, which would be a crazy, crazy, crazy story. But uh, that's New York for you. That would I don't be a crazy think scenario. About that. Yeah. I mean, it's a crew. What a crew yep. of investors. I'm, I'm listening. 
the Mets are already bad enough. I mean, make it interesting with the the people who actually own the team. So why not? Yeah, things just keep getting interesting there. Other news, of course, we had the situation with our manager, Carlos, well, our ex-manager, Carlos Beltran, who was forced to step down that fiasco. Uh, and then he got duped for Luis Rojas, who's now the Mets manager. Um, so it's been a crazy offseason for the Mets. No surprise. Uh, you know, if it's ever active, it's active in a bad way because the Mets are not notorious for signing big name guys. Uh, I know pretty much the only guys they brought in were uh, Jake Mariznick from the Astros. Uh, and then they also brought in Devin Batantis, uh, Michael Waka, and Rick Porcello. A lot of these guys are on the older end of the spectrum. I don't want to say washed up, but Rick Porcello's definitely seen better days out there. And now he could potentially be penciled in as the number two starter after today. Why not? Great situation. Sounds sounds pretty Mets for me. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it right now. It just makes the, me absolutely the, sick. Was the potential fifth starter, give or take, to now second because Cindergard and now Strowman's out. So you know. Yeah. I uh, now you look at who the fifth starter might be. The options are Corey Oswald. Possibly even Seth Lugo, but I don't know if you want to Christ. take him out of the bullpen. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't exactly make sense. But uh, thinking about it, I really don't know. Your, your options are very limited right now because of coronavirus and the lack of spring training that there's been. So yeah. the Mets, act, they still have back-to-back Cy Young uh, winner Jacob DeGrom, who is lined up to start Saturday. Uh, I'm sorry, Friday, the opener against Atlanta. Uh, Rojas quoted that he threw 98 to 100 miles per hour in a simulated game on Sunday, and he said Jake was Jake. So that's always a good sign. A lot of people are predicting he's going to go three-peat for Cy Young. And it's insane because you look at the pitchers in the National League, you got Strasburg. You got Scherzer. You have a lot of good arms. You have Soroka, who, you know, flashed a lot last season. So it's not like it's Jake and then the rest of the pack. These are pretty much big name guys. And uh, yeah, shout out Jeff Kroll commenting on the live stream. Uh, Fonz, if we can get that up here. Mets news Marcus Stroman on the IL with a muscle tear in his left calf. Robert Giselman is on the injured list with right triceps tightness. Uh, Kyle, I know you and I used to work with Jeff Kroll yeah. back at WCWP. Thank you for watching Jeff all the way out from Long Island. Not too far from you guys. But uh, <laughs> Jeff has a knack for posting a lot of fun facts, and he's always on the ball when it comes to baseball. And like us, I don't know how he's done it. He, he's lived with the Mets his whole life. But um, – let me tell you something, not having Stroman and Giselman, the right triceps tightness sent to the 10-day IL. Is there any possibility? Who do we think could possibly step up for these guys? Because right now the options are limited. We know who's in their bullpen, and the only long-relief guy that I know of is Seth Lugo. Do you guys have anybody um, you know that was talked about in the minors? I know obviously last year when you guys traded for Stroman, you wanted up trading Anthony Kay, who was your top pitching prospect, as well as your second-best pitching prospect, I believe, in that trade. <laughs> do you guys have anybody else that you know of? I mean, I've watched some of these exhibition games having fourth, the Yankees have played the Mets, but do you guys have anybody else? Because now that, I mean, granted, yes, you're on the injured list with a muscle tear, but 
at the end of the day, you only have 60 games. When is Stroman even projected to come back? He may not even come back till halfway through the season with a muscle tear. So Matthew Allen is their highest prospect. He's seventh, uh, and his ETA for the MLB is 2023. This kid's 19 years old. So no. So no prospect. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think you throw him in there. I mean, then again, who knows now? The Mets, if any team would do it, it is the Mets that would throw a 19-year-old to be the starting pitcher. But, you know, take it day by day. Yeah, I I agree. Take it day by day. See what happens. But, hey, look, you know, this schedule could throw teams off. Uh, So the Mets will play their 2020 home games at Citi Field. And the biggest news surrounding the Mets right now, in my opinion, Yoannis Cespedes returns after a two-year absence and will play as the designated hitter in the starting lineup, coming off the ankle injury and both of his heels, you know, falling off a little Old Town Road situation there last year. Uh, Yeah. His heels and his ankle have progressed enough for him to play. He last played in 2018. Having him back is great. I think he adds a lot of offensive firepower to the lineup. Having Brandon Nimmo healthy now, a lot of these guys have had plenty of time to recover. A lot would argue Cespedes would not have started if coronavirus did not happen. Um, quick comment from uh, James Montefusco, uh, wishing Bonds all the best. What's up, boys? Looking good as always. Yeah, we'll miss having you on. We'll, we'll miss having you on as well. But it's not like you know you're going anywhere. It's just, yeah, I'm going to be around. Just you it'll, know, it'll be uh, it'll be infrequent. But uh, it'll be a special time when I join too. Every couple of weeks. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so back to the Mets, though, Fonz. We have to put ourselves back into this misery here for just a few more minutes. That's fine. Uh, Noah Syndergaard will miss the season after getting successful Tommy John surgery. On top of right. Stroman, on top of Giselman, what else is new? Jed Lowry will miss opening day for the second straight year with knee discomfort. A lot of people say Jed Lowry's better than Todd Frazier. Well, you know what? At least Todd Frazier was available for one of his two opening days with the New York Mets and hit 20-plus home runs last year at I 32 forgot, years old. Forgot, I forgot Lowry was in the roster, to be completely honest. <laughs> I really did, and it's, uh, I'm not surprised by this one, too. Did he Did he play last year? I don't even honestly remember. Did no, he, play? he didn't play. He played yeah. maybe a couple games towards the end, but he missed basically the entirety of the season. So he's just not going to play this year? Basically. Well, he's not even going to have a spot just because there's no room for him to play on the field. Right. Well, fantastic. Because Jeff McNeil plays third, Cano plays second, then it's Rosario and Alonzo. Yeah. Ramos, Cespedes is the DH, and then your outfield is easy. It's J.D. Davis, Conforto, and Nimmo. Well, Nimmo in center, Conforto in right. Yeah. That's it right there. The only issues, realistically, are the depth. You have Marisnik in the outfield. Ligaris is back. Dom um, they Smith. Have Dom Smith, Tomas Nito. And then, I, I mean, I guess Jed Lowry. I don't know who the backup utility uh, player would be right now, but just thinking about it, because they, I don't know if you saw in transacting moves, the Mets let Melky Cabrera go today. They signed him that. recently. They let him go, uh, and then they let somebody else go. Gordon remember. Beckham. Yes, Gordon Beckham. Thank you. Um, but yeah, other offseason departures for the Mets included Zach Wheeler, who I think it was great. The Mets did not resign him at that price. Uh, although right now, funds it's safe to say Zach Wheeler would be the number two starter at this point. Yeah. Uh, if he was still on the team. Very true. Very true. And then Mickey Callaway, who I don't think anybody misses. Um, 
Listen, with a 16-team uh, 16 playoff race, you guys still have a chance, even with all this uh, lackluster in the beginning. Still got a chance. Well, still the NL, the end. The NL East is a very competitive division. I think you throw the Mets. Uh, actually, I don't know. All divisions are pretty competitive right now. Maybe the Central. Uh, but anyway, Mets play the Yankees this past weekend. A couple of, uh, you know, I guess, quote-unquote, you can call them spring training games, right? And the Yankees absolutely took them to the house. Uh, Corey Oswalt went three innings pitched on Sunday. He did not look great, gave up two home runs. I believe one of them was the Aaron Judge. Uh, we'll get to the Yankees in one minute, actually. And then my last comment here is uh, today the Mets signed Brian Dozier as well to a minor league contract. Uh Rotation prediction, look, man, I mean, without Stroman, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to say this. We know who the four are, right? It's the Grom, Mats, Waka, and Porcello. And the fifth, gosh, I can't even, I can't even tell you. I, it would be Lugo. It would have to be Lugo. If you could, be Lugo. I think that you guys would probably Drew want Smith. to – Maybe you guys would probably wind up running a bullpen type of game. I know the Yankees, their third game against the Nationals, they're starting right. Chad Green. So that's probably yep. going to wind up being like a bullpen type of game. You guys might have to do that. Oh, I intro. forgot. We still have Walker Lockett. We have Walker Lockett and Corey Oswald. To be honest with you, it might be Oswald because they started be him over the weekend. And put Lugo in the bullpen. That's what I think, because you need Lugo in the pen for strength, because Familia is, you know, he's a bubbly tank that can blow up any second. And then Diaz throws his arm off every game and gets pounded. So, I mean, we know how that works. Been there, done that as Met fans. Uh, Shout out Kyle Earhart. How's it going? Uh, Yes, James also agrees. He thinks it would be Seth Lugo. Little fun fact there. Let's get to the Yankees. Or I'm sorry. Let's make record predictions for the Mets. I say 35 and 25. Ten games over 500. Am I being generous there? I think you might I be am. a little bit. Uh, you might be yeah. a little bit generous. I yeah. think. I mean, I. It wouldn't shock me if they go 30 and 30. They go split even 500. Tw- uh, 29, 31. You know, 30, 30. 29, 31. Yeah, I got it right. So I, w- I would say the. I would say at most, I would say thirty-one twenty-nine. If like if I had to give the max, I think now with with guys like Stroman out and really you're not sure at four and five, well mainly five, who your starting pitcher is. So I think they would even at the five hundred playing field. But fair, fair. I'm not going to say if I agree or disagree with five hundred, but I definitely think that is a reasonable projection, Kyle. Yeah, I, I know we predicted, I think a while back we gave our predictions about what the um, the Mets and Yankees would do for the season. I think that's changed, at least for me, in my personal opinion, based on the Mets. Man, this is so hard now. You got uh, The Mets, they're really going to have to win every single time DeGrom gets on that mound. Yeah, yeah that's they, a big they, if. They're going to have to win every single time. I'm going to go, oh, man, give me 28 and 32. Okay. Okay. Wow. You know, we had predictions up during our break and I know the two of you uh, went a little different from your original projections. I'd say the Stroman injury might have something to do with that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, let's get on to the Yankees. Thank goodness. Um, Okay. So the Yankees had a big prize this off season. It was free agent acquisition, Jarrett Cole, getting him out of 
trouble in Houston. I'll, I'll play it nice there. Uh, getting him out of trouble. Other additions for the Yankees this offseason included Chris Iannetta, Ben Heller, and Matt Duffy, who I think has been somewhat impressive so far for the Yankees. Uh, and then Kyle, of course, key departures. You didn't lose much. You lost Dellen Patantis and Didi Gregorius. Uh, obviously, Didi, I'll be honest with you, he was my favorite player on the Yankees. I, I loved watching him. I liked fan him. Favorite. Yeah. Um, he, he was a fan favorite. He, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of fans liked him. He also blessed my fantasy team last year, if you remember, uh, Russo. You, I know you got wrecked by him a couple of weeks. So. A couple of times. A couple of times. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's definitely going to be impactful because I'm already seeing it now just with these exhibition games. You know, you call a spade a spade. You call the Yankees. Listen, they hit. They they beat the Mets the other day. What? It was 6 nothing, and five of those runs came off of five solo home runs. They're just not a team – that gets on base. And that's what DD brought to the table is that when, you know, all these other guys were smacking home runs, he got on base and allowed for extra runs to be earned. And now not having that in the lineup, that's definitely going to be um, more of a frightening situation considering he was one of the key players to that uh, method and success when scoring multiple runs, but we'll see what happens. He signed with Philly. So now he's not, now he's your problem uh, as Met fans. Great so idea. we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, definitely he was definitely one of my favorite players as well. But all the best of luck to him. Thank you. A uh, <laughs> couple of players for the Yankees came down with COVID. Uh, Araldis Chapman obviously is the big name who is still not with the team at the moment. Uh, DJ LeMahieu is back playing, which is good. Luis Sessa, I'm not too sure. Kyle, is he back with the team? I'm pretty sure he's back with the team. Um. Chapman will is still on the 10-day IL. He will miss uh, opening day. Uh, the Yankees will play Yankee Stadium without fans, but there was rumored that there is a chance for there to be fans at the end of the season to see how this goes at some capacity. Uh, thoughts on that before we get to Monty's next comment? I, I mean, oh, thoughts well, go. Well, I was going to say, I think it. I think there's a chance. I mean, it's been working. I mean, it's been working so getting the season back and everything and. They're very careful players that have it. They're kind of like putting them away like 10 day on the IL. So if the track keeps going of like positivity for this, I wouldn't shock me if you see obviously not filled the capacity, but you see like a quarter, maybe half of the the ballpark filled. I definitely think there's a good solid chance towards the end of the season. Like when it's like 40, like to the 40 game, like when it gets up to 40 games. I mean, Hal Steinbrenner, he was talking about it a couple weeks ago. He was saying, you know, he'd like to see 25% of Yankee stadium, filled but then you see news you know we'll get into it later when we talk about the nfl that the metlife stadium will have no fans for the nfl season and that doesn't even start till september so to hear that uh baseball will have fans considering that their season starts tomorrow is pretty interesting but i i just say keep it safe i just say keep it safe at that point i know it's about you know getting fans in the stadium getting revenue obviously but you know keep it safe I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be a fan of it. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I don't think it's the right decision personally. So Russo question for you, who gets hurt first out of the twin towers? Judge easy. or Stanton? Stanton? Easy. Stanton. Yeah. Easy. Stanton. Easy question. Easy question, James. Really both, honestly, but Stan first, I think, and then judge eventually. Excellent. Eventually. Word, eventually. Yeah. Man. Hope not, but listen, you saw you how played nine people, games last year. Uh something like that. 
But 30 people got injured last year on the Yankees, still managed to get over 100 wins in the win column, still managed to hit 307 in the home run column. So, And he's supposed to be the home run hitter, too. So we'll see what happens in 60 games. Hopefully nothing bad happens. Uh, guys, one thing I noticed in the Yankee schedule, they open up against back-to-back National League opponents. They open up tomorrow in D.C. against the Nats, and then they will play the Phillies, I think, after. Uh, yeah, so uh, thoughts on that, Kyle? Definitely definitely a rough go about, um, especially when it comes to pitching. That's going to be Scherzer, uh, Strasburg, and, and Corbin to start off the season. And then you go over to Philly and you play Aaron Nola. I don't know who the number two is. I would assume it's either Wheeler or somebody else. But that's that's going to be hard. That's definitely going to be hard under lack of, I guess you'd say, a spring training to go into that batting situation. Those are five pretty good pitchers, really good pitchers. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully that's not that big of an issue. Uh, Yankees got some pitchers of their own. They have, I know, Pax in his game two, Garrett Cole starting tomorrow. The Yankees up against Scherzer. That's definitely going to be a matchup to watch. Uh, Garrett Cole's first game in the pinstripes. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But definitely going to be a rough go about. Not going to, not going to hide that about it. So um, other stuff going on. Uh, obviously, the Yankees came off that five home run route of the Mets over the weekend. I know they were pretty hot. Judge had two of them. Montgomery looked very sharp. He had six strikeouts, no runs given up through five innings, beating the Mets 6-0 on Sunday, uh, which, of course, the Yankees also beat them 9-3 on Saturday. But uh, Montgomery got sent down. Are you surprised, considering, obviously, you're without Severino, you're without German and Tanaka? Uh, he should be ready, but obviously he's not 100%. I mean, a little surprised considering that he did have a good, um, a good start, a good outing. But then you think about it a little bit and you say to yourself, well, Michael King, at least, you know, he got to play uh, one of the Yankees' top pitchers. He got to play in spring training a little bit. Um, even though he didn't play for the Yankees themselves last year, you know, he played a full season in Scranton for them in the minors. So he has more of that, I guess you'd say. Um, while Montgomery was hurt, he has more uh, reps under his belt rather than Montgomery who just had – an outing because I don't even believe that Montgomery was healthy during spring training back in April. I think he's now obviously becoming healthy as the, uh, as the year progressed. And now he's gotten to the point of full health, but he'll definitely come up at some point during the season. Uh, it's only a matter of time, but you know, we'll see. I agree. I, I think the move is definitely, um, good for him. Beneficial for him might not be as beneficial for the team, but I yep. think having Montgomery down there, it gives him some time to adjust and get back into his groove and continue to build. Uh, Tyro, uh, we'll just call him Tyro Estrada and Michael King make the roster. Uh, yeah, Tyro Estrada and uh, Michael King. They're, um, they're the, the Yankees. I think they're the Yankees' uh, number one and number two best prospects. Uh, uh, so they're definitely well-deserving of this, well-deserving of this upbringing into the uh, league into this new uh, 60 game season that we got going on and they're going to be needed at some point you know Tom we were talking about it um, earlier prior to the show you know players uh, the Yankees specifically got to play 60 games and 67 games you know there's going to be injuries no doubt you hope it's not severe uh, severe but now you got to worry about a deadly virus as well 
Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that that's the last case scenario, but injuries being a part of the sport, playing in that matter of time and that span, it's bound to happen. And these guys will get their, they will get their chance. They will get their chance, especially Michael King. I think earlier than, um, earlier than later, will definitely get his pitching opportunity already seeing in the Yankees plan, how Chad green, who throughout his career with the Yankees, he's been more of a reliever is getting the game three start against the Washington nationals. Um, this Saturday. So I think you will definitely see Michael King at some point during the season. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see where they uh, fit in Estrada, but Michael King will definitely get a start at some point. You definitely bring up some, some good points there, Kyle. Uh, so my next question to you is obviously J a Happ. Uh, I know you're probably not a big fan, but he is your number five starter. Again, he seems to stick around year in and year out now, two and a half years with the team. Uh, yeah, talk about that. I'm looking forward to seeing Hap out there in pinstripes. Yeah, because that's the uh, that's going to be the losing games. But um, you know, hopefully, listen. Hopefully, he gets his stuff the together. Confidence. Because when he first came over from Toronto, when they traded for him at the deadline, he was a decent pitcher. And then when he played a complete season with them, he was he, he fell apart. And then in the playoffs, more than anything, he fell apart. I remember that game. It was just yesterday. I think it was. 10 or 11 innings it was in the playoffs against the Houston Astros. I think it was a game one or game two scenario. And, of course, Hap gives up the game-winning uh, run after throwing out five reliever, uh, relievers prior. Um, but hopefully Hap is, you know, there's minimal room for mistakes. You know, with 60 games, even though there might be an expansion of playoff race, there's minimal room for mistakes, and hopefully Hap is not one of them um, when he's starting. If he could give the Yankees – Five innings, I'm comfortable with that. Maybe give up around three uh, three runs per start, maybe four. The bullpen, even though Aroldis Chapman is not back, it's still deep enough to carry those other four or five innings. Um, but we'll see what happens with him. I know, obviously, Masahiro Tanaka as well. He should be ready for his uh, first start of the season. He was concussed after getting struck in the head by a 112-mile-per-hour line drive. By Stanton on the 4th of July, out of all days. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting season for the Yankees. I think having Tanaka back healthy is good, considering Severino, who will probably uh, – I don't even know if he'll be back for opening day 2021. Yeah, he, uh, had, he had Tommy John. It's already so long ago. Uh, yeah. I believe he had Tommy John surgery, so that's going to be an interesting case scenario um, to see what happens with him. But, you know, he's not playing this season, which stinks, but – so, Kyle uh, and Fun's prediction for the Yankees, record-wise. I think my original one, uh, I might have been a little childish in saying it, but I seriously thought about it. I said 50 and 10, but I'm going to say 45 and 15 now. I'm going to say 45 and 15. I think the pitching is still going to hurt them. I think the 1 through 9 is, you know, obviously their bread and butter, but the pitching still is going to hurt them um, a little bit, especially now that their main reliever is out. We don't know how long for but I'm going to go 45 and 15. I actually kind of agree with you on 50 and 10. I remember, like I said, if there was any team that would get to the 50 win mark, it would be, I think it would be either the Yankees or the Dodgers. I said 50 and 10. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, 48, two would also think 40, 40 and 12. Uh, that also could be a possibility. I mean, you're not far off with 50 and 10. It's not crazy. They have the talent. Look what they did when they had so many of those guys injured. Yeah. They had a hundred games. Like you said, 100-plus games and shattered the home run record. Now, for the most part, they're all majority of them are back. 
Yeah. So, and they have one of the best pitchers in baseball in Garrett Cole. So they can easily hit the 50 point mark. I think yeah. even like they could do it. So I, you're not crazy with that, with that take. And I, I do agree with you. I could definitely see like the 45 to 50 wins. You're right. Fonz. Kyle's not crazy, but unfortunately I might be a little crazy. Uh, originally I had South of 40. Now I'm going to go a little North of 40 thinking about it now, especially with the way they've come out. Uh, and they're relatively healthy, actually much healthier than last year. I'm going to say 42 wins, 42 and 18. And the reason why is when you play a lot of teams in your division, you typically beat each other up, uh, especially when you play them a lot. I think obviously Tampa Bay is going to pose a challenge to the Yankees. Uh, I think they're going to pose a bigger challenge than a team like Boston. Uh, Toronto is still in the process of rebuilding. We know Baltimore is Baltimore. There's not much change. They're going to get against Baltimore. That's going to help them. That's why I, I think, think Baltimore has trouble getting double digit wins. To be mm-hmm. completely honest with you, I could definitely. If any team yeah. did not do that like, to get only single digit wins, it would be Baltimore. Yeah, I, I agree. But um, you know, you know what? Uh, as you guys know, I'm the host of Review and Preview. But right now, I'm going to go uh, go out on a limb. And say uh, the Dodgers beat the Yankees in the World Series. I'd love to see the Yankees Dodgers <laughs> World Series come true, but obviously the uh, the fortune in the Yankees' favor. Obviously, I think that I don't know. You know, no matter what happens, we all know this. Uh, as much as you guys are Mets fans, you, you can't argue the fact that Clayton Kershaw is not a good pitcher under pressure. Yeah, it's going to be the problem. He's not, and especially now that David Price is opting out, I don't even know their pitching situation right now. I know it's Kershaw. They got Walker Bueller. Um, oh God, Dustin May, who's in the bullpen. Dustin May was decent last year. He came up for a couple starts. He got some few ad, uh, outings. Uh, Yankees versus Reds World Series. Mark it down. I mean, there's six only sixty games. I mean, any team has a chance, and especially with a sixteen game play, a uh, sixteen team playoff. It's really yeah. Kyle's not far off. No, it's He's really far. Off. You could definitely no. see the Reds making an appearance there. Every yeah, I think Earhart, every, man, <laughs> he's a funny guy. <laughs> I think every team has a legit chance. I mean, except the Baltimore Orioles. No offense, but you know, I think every team has a legit chance, like to make the playoffs and make a serious run too. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Good. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Earhart's far off. Like I, I think Cincinnati can. Make a push for the playoff. Oh yeah, no, I, I agree with him. That's why. Yeah, that's why I'm not. Uh, I'll mark it down. We'll remember it because there's a very good chance we could see that. So now we will transition uh, abruptly into uh, the NHL restart block B of the show. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about baseball next week. So hockey returns August first. It'll head straight to the postseason, the playoff tournament. That will consist of 24 teams, including Stanley Cup qualifiers, featuring 16 teams, the 5 through 12 seeds, in each conference. And uh, those will be a best-of-five series. So the 5 will play the 12, 6 will play 11, etc. And then the top four seeds in each conference will have a round robin to determine seeding. So, for example, the one seed... Boston Bruins, who also have the most wins in all of hockey. Uh, They will play the Flyers in a round-robin matchup starting on August 2nd. I really like this format. What do you guys think? I think the playoffs were crazy last year. I think they're going to be even more crazy this year, especially if you're a top seed because, guys, you're starting a new season. This is not a continuation. You're starting a new season. This is the amount of time they typically have off. Exactly. 
This is, uh, well, we saw obviously the NHL was the first uh, league forced, uh, first uh, administration organization to get their stuff together with a solid plan. This plan has been out now for a few months already. It's crazy to even say that. It's been out for a few months, and I think they nailed it on the head better than any of the other leagues, to be personally honest with you, when it came to the playoff format in which they did. I know they have um, four teams in the East, four teams in the West that get a um, a bye week, I guess you'd say, and then they obviously have the qualifying rounds. And I really I really like what they did. I really like the way they formatted it out, and I think it's going to personally work very, very well. It's actually very interesting to watch. The only thing that me personally I don't like so much is that you have – the way it's formatted is that you have hockey starting at like, I believe, 1130 in the morning and you got it going all the way till 11 o'clock at night with games starting at 11. That's the one flaw, at least in my personal opinion, with the plan. But other than that, they got a they got a solid plan together. They have a solid plan together that's going to put together some terrific games and terrific matchups. I definitely agree. Uh, our guest caller, Connor, is backstage. We will just add him in a couple of minutes uh, before we get to him. Uh it was reported Monday, the NHL, actually, they only announced two positive coronavirus tests and players in phase three now. They are going to be tested on an every other day basis. It'll definitely be interesting. Uh, and James Montefusco, let's go Islanders. Uh, they got their new stadium today. Kyle, you said it was called uh, UBS? Where's UBS Arena. UBS Arena. I thought it had something to do with Belmont, but I looked it up, and I'm almost positive this is the case scenario when I looked at the logo in which is on the stadium and the virtual graphic in which the Islanders had posted. UBS stands for Union Bank of Switzerland Arena. That's the name of Belmont Stadium. That's what the name of it is going to be. I'm almost 100% positive that is the case scenario. little interesting. Would love to listen to the background on how that happened, but that will be the name of the Islanders' new home come 2021. Uh, Kyle Hart, 15 hours of hockey. I can't complain. Very nice. Very nice. Um, one last comment here before we bring Connor on. Um, so Toronto and Edmonton announced as the hub cities. Uh, I know there is some talk about Vegas, but it's going to be Toronto and Edmonton. The way it's going to work is that the Western Conference teams will be in Edmonton, and then the Eastern Conference teams will be in Toronto, up until the conference finals. So once they get to the conference finals, the entire playoff gets moved to Edmonton. And fun fact, our co-host James Montefusco gets credit for this. First time the N8 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs will be played entirely in Canada since 1925. That's so, a fact. That's a good fact. Yeah, he did some stat digging for that one. And at this time, let's bring up Connor Walsh. Connor, welcome. Hey, fellas. How's it going? How's hey, it going, Connor? Welcome to Review nice. and Preview. Uh, Tom, tell your mom happy early birthday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Connor Walsh, uh, this is Fonz and Kyle. Fonz in the top right, Kyle in the bottom right. Uh, you are live on Review and Preview. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. Uh, I'm 27 years old. Uh, I actually work at NBC Sports with Tom. Uh Fun little gig there. Uh, I grew up playing hockey. Uh, played a little in college. Played a little juniors in Canada, not too far from uh, Toronto, actually. So, well, some little, uh, fun, little fact. fun facts. <laughs> we, we like fun doing facts here. We yeah, we fun love fun facts. Um, gosh, a <laughs> couple other comments. Kyle Earhart is a fun fact, and a Canadian team won't win. Fun fact. <laughs> 
Oh wow! I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm if a Canadian team was going to win a Stanley Cup and uh, break the little curse they've got going, this would be the year. Yep, they got the six out of the spread out. They got six out of the seven teams in there, I believe. The, the yeah, only so, team with exception I mean, is Ottawa. The only one is Ottawa. So, <laughs> so, so if, if this is if this is uh, the best odds they're going to have at the time. Yep. Hundred percent. I definitely agree. Uh, speaking of that, the Canadian teams, obviously, Connor, Edmonton, and Toronto, they have a little bit of ice familiarity. How much of an advantage does that give them, even without uh, fans? I, I would have thought it gives them some familiarity, at least with their own rinks, being able to come in. You play there, you practice there. Um, without the crowds, without the noise, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's going to really rely on the physicality of those teams, the ability to change uh, speed and uh, possess the puck. And uh, I think that those teams like to play with pace, but I think they both lack physicality. So I think uh, I don't really think that it's going to be too much of an advantage for them at that. At that, when it, when it comes to playoffs, I just I don't think it really matters for right now. Toronto's not even getting their own dressing room in the first round. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good compelling point there. I know you've worked a lot of Connor McDavid games this year. You've seen Edmonton have first hands. I know Caleb Jones actually contracted coronavirus. He won't play yeah. in these no. playoffs. Yeah, they uh they're actually keeping they're testing him every was it every three days, but they're still keeping him away from the facilities, everything. He's being quarantined. Not a huge loss for them, Caleb Jones. Me, Fonz, and Kyle have uh our first question here for you. How do you feel that Commissioner Gary Bettman has handled the COVID-19 pandemic and the restart safety protocol? Um, I'm not sure I'm qualified to really respond. A lot of it's behind closed doors. Stuff that was done with the the NHLPA, they obviously felt it wasn't safe and wouldn't sign. And uh, they went through a little bit of a negotiation process. Some money was added. Some things were signed. We're getting hockey back. But... um, there are just uh, some logistical issues for some players that have uh, obviously seen that not enough safety precautions are being taken for them specifically, and they're going to have to hold themselves out. Mike Green in particular, uh, Edmonton went got him at the deadline. He won't be playing. Uh, I'm sure there are others. The teams have had to hold people out of these camps that who want to play for uh, a number of medical issues. Uh, some are just rejoining their team. Max Domi in particular for the Montreal Canadiens is just rejoining his team for practices. Uh, but in terms of how Gary Bettman's handled this, I think he's just following every other league. They're just trying to negotiate to get the sport back so that there's some sort of winner for the season. Fonz or Kyle, you guys have a uh, question for Connor? Well, we were just talking about it, Connor. What do, you, do you believe that this is one of the best formats across the league in, in terms of scheduling and playoff wise when it comes to the nhl and the i think this is going to be one of the most interesting playoff formats we're going to see for some time it's going to be march madness with hockey it's going to be all day long (laughs) yeah like funds uh let's pin that oh sorry go ahead i got a well i kind of have a for that one actually so it's Mm -hmm. perfect it ties in perfectly uh so yeah like you said like this is going to be a little bit different than kind of what the playoffs have been for the nhl you know then you got like the round robin for the top four teams to determine the yeah. seating and stuff, best of five. Do you think like this could be like a testing round to kind of see maybe they want to change things up next year when they have a full season? Or do you still go back to the original format when it's the 2020, 2021 season? I think, I don't think fans, I don't think 
hockey fans who have been watching hockey for a long time want it to change. I really mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. There are a lot of issues when they change the playoff format. People are still complaining about that currently. <laughs> um, I think it would be interesting to see if it was changed. Absolutely. Uh, more hockey, more teams, especially you want to see more superstars play, you know, uh, give them a shot at least to be in the playoffs. Uh, Jack Eichel, Buffalo Sabres, they have a generational superstar who. It's never going to see the playoffs at this point, the way that organization is being run. This could give them a chance if they want to open it up a little bit more. Um, I think the playing game, the play, uh, yeah, the playing games are going to be definitely very interesting, especially for teams that are just on the bubble. If you're, you're on the bubble one year and you make it into the playoffs uh, as a bubble team on a play-in series, I think it might be exciting to have that option next year. It might push you over the edge. Help your team build in the right direction. It could change a lot of things for hockey. But do I think that the league will want to do it? Anything that'll make them more money. So, good answer. Good answer. Uh, Fonz, let's pin that comment uh, by Kyle Earhart. Uh, that last one there, Connor. Uh, Kyle Earhart, big Islanders fan from Long Island, has a question for you. Will the Rangers win their series versus the Carolina Hurricanes? I know you and I have talked in depth about this and. The answer might surprise some people, including uh, well, not myself. I, I already know. But. <laughs> I, I would love to see the Rangers win. Um, but I just – I think that the – like, when you're asking about the benefits of this, uh, this four-month hiatus for some teams, it's that they can get healthy. Carolina getting Dougie Hamilton back, getting some guys back uh, in the lineup that were banged up. They had a uh, subpar season for what they did last year in the playoffs. So um, – I think that if I were to guess, Artemi Panarin's magic, but I don't think he is. He and Zibanejad and uh, a young team are really enough to get past Carolina. But anything is possible. Anything's possible. It's just, that's the the beauty of this system right now. I think that the one thing that a lot of people don't talk about necessarily when it comes to this matchup is just the. Um, because personally, I think that the Rangers, hands down, are going to win this. Uh, I know it's obviously a five game series. I think that it could go a max of four games, but just the offense that the Rangers are throwing out there on top of the fact um, you brought up time uh, being able to get back to health. You know, the Rangers bringing back up their rookie goalie, Igor Shesterkin. He was an absolute phenom when he was playing. I believe he finished off um, the season with a 10 and two record, just a, a fantastic save percentage in which he had too. But the one thing that the Carolina Hurricanes have in favor is that during the deadline, the Rangers traded Brady Shea, who's, one of the defensemen at the time to the hurricanes, you know, that type of game plan, defensive mindset running up against these offensive players every single day in practice can kind of learn what they might throw at them specifically in this matchup. So I think that might be with uh, the hurricanes specifically have an edge, but I still like the Rangers in this matchup. I I think that's an interesting point you have there, but uh, when you're playing against such a top end town, like Panarin, Zabinajad, I don't think that, it really matters. I don't think that that they're just you don't know what they're going to do. That's why they're so good. That's why other teams can't shut them down. Shut them down. Yeah. They night in, night out. But uh, if I were to, to bank on this one, just a, a young coach going to his first playoffs uh, for the Rangers, a young goaltender. You know, he was a stud and a small sample size, but again, uh, unproven. If it were me, I'd go with uh, the depth. Carolina's got a little more offensive depth. They got more defensive depth. The only thing that I would really give the edge to the Rangers currently right now would be their goaltending. They could play any three of those goaltenders and probably end up 
uh, in very, very close games just because of that. So I'm going to answer this question. For those of you just joining us now, watching, tuning in on Facebook Live here at Review and Preview Sports, this is Connor Walsh from Norwalk, uh, Norwalk, Connecticut, originally from Maine, um, <laughs> up there. Um, Connor, so obviously the Rangers were 3-0 against the Canes heading into the season, and we also know that the Canes were one of the two teams, I think, that voted no to this playoff format. Um, yes, the Rangers do have the Hurricanes number. Uh, but, of course, the news, Brendan Lemieux, suspended two games. And I yeah. know Boop Navich left practice early over the weekend. We don't know his status. So do I think the Rangers are going to win this series? I'm going to say it's going to come down to five games and the Rangers might squeak it out. But the thing is, I can't. Rob Brindamore is a fantastic young head coach, I think. Bring up guys like Dougie Hamilton. Uh, they still have Svechnikov, right? And Jacob Slavin, those guys. Jacob Slavin, uh, Brendan Pesci. Um, yeah, they went and got Sammy Vonnen at the deadline from New Jersey, another good offensive defenseman. They, they, have, they have a lot of tools, a lot of weapons, a lot of depth. And they also yeah. traded for Vincent Trocek as well. I forgot about that. Yeah, Vincent Trocek from the Panthers. Nino Niederreiter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I Tevu Teravainen, I believe they got from the Blackhawks a few years ago. He's another good center. Um, they just the Jordan Stahl, like the list goes on. The depth there is just it favors Carolina in terms of their their forwards and defensemen. Yeah, I forgot about Sebastian Ajo too. He's filthy. He's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even mention their best yeah. player. Yeah. Connor, you got another question from the audience. Yeah, uh, what about the Islanders? Uh, the Islanders series is really interesting to me. Barry Trotz, Stanley Cup winning coach against Joel Quinville, maybe arguably the best coach in the game currently with three Stanley Cups on his resume. Um, created a little bit of a dynasty there with the Blackhawks. Uh, I, again, I think that this comes down to the break favoring, uh, unfortunately, the Panthers uh, at this time. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky underperformed for most of the season, but he gets a chance to uh, to clean slate and uh, steal some games. Uh, he stole this, an entire series from the lightning last year, which I'm pretty sure they're still crying about. Uh, they have uh, a really great uh, uh, franchise center in Barkov. Uh, they have a good young defenseman, Aaron Ekblad, a um, little good offensive defenseman, Keith Yandel. Uh, I like their depth again, another that's going to be a really comes down to a coaching battle. So do you have Florida? I would put, I'd pick Florida. Is that yeah, a Florida? I would, wow. Yeah, I would take Florida. I would. Wow. I like the Islanders. I really do. Um, Matthew Barzell is very, very exciting. But, I mean, I like that answer, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I think that it's going to be that close type of series. I think it's more going to come down to the goaltending just because of how it was left off on, uh, left off yeah, on with the Islanders, absolutely. not just the goaltending, but just the offense in general that, um, the four games that they managed to squeeze out in the month of uh, in the month of March, I believe, included two shutouts and all four losses. They couldn't score, and the goaltending was horrible. So we'll see what four yeah four months of rest will do for their goaltending. But we're talking about a guy in Varlamov who throughout the season just he, he couldn't hit correctly, except for those few months that they had where they had these seventeen game point streak. Um, Thomas Grice not looking himself, um, and just the offense not there. But now we're get uh, now, now the Islanders are getting back defensemen. Obviously, Johnny Boychuk went down before 
COVID hit, you're getting him back. Um, Cal Clutterbuck coming back fully healthy. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But we'll see what happens with the Islanders. I think it definitely goes five games. I think the Islanders are the favorite. You know, the Florida Panthers, they traded Vincent Trocek, at least in my mind, because they weren't considered to be a team competing if the season was to end today. Uh, if the season ended where it did end off in March, they were the fifth wild card, I believe it was, something like that. Mm-hmm. So they weren't planning on making the playoffs, obviously, with the expanded playoff. You know, you couldn't project that. But trading one of your best offensive players um, wasn't planning on being in this type of situation. I think that's where the Islanders might have an edge specifically. I want to get the funds here. Do you have any thoughts on this Islanders matchup? Seven Islanders versus the 10 Florida Panthers. I- Islanders, remember, guys, they were 3-0 and against the Panthers in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like well, you said the three, uh, three and zero, but I mean, it's been a couple of months now. It's it's a good fresh restart for a lot of these teams. So you really, for for me, it's hard to kind of go with. I don't know who to go with exactly because it's going to be really just. I mean, it's it's a restart basically. It's a brand new season, like Tom said earlier. But you know, for the, for the I think I'm going to still go with the Islanders uh, for now. I still think they're still a, a better team, but I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Florida wins. It wouldn't shock me who makes it to the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's, it's, it's much like with the NBA with the bubble. You really have no idea because it's just a brand new season. Everyone's freshened up and uh, just excited to be back and playing. Yeah. These, Connor, these, you want to piggyback off that? These regular seasons, it didn't matter if you went 3-0, 4-0. Team didn't win once. Uh, I think that the slate is clean. The especially for some of these guys who are playing for contracts coming back, like this little playoff series, you know, it just gives them, it's, it's like a round robin to determine the yeah. next year. I think it's going to be an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, Kyle is another follow-up. Uh, Earhart, that is not Russo. Um, Adam Pellick coming back and the addition of Peugeot from the Senators, right? Uh, from the deadline. Yeah. He thinks it should be an easy series win in his mind. I still say five games because it is the Islanders. It is the Islanders. And even though J.G. Peugeot, he did play around eight or ten games with the Islanders. He he got off to a hot start, kind of cooled down a little bit. Pelic, Pelic is going to be huge. He's he's one of the Islanders' best up-and-coming defensemen. Um, when he went down, that was a major hit. So him coming back, especially because he wasn't supposed to, but obviously, again, with the um, delayed start to the season, the resumed season, the playoff season, uh, having him back is definitely going to be interesting coming back into the lineup. It, it all really depends on who comes back and uh, is able to to really uh, galvanize their team quickly, especially yeah. you know to get to top speed this fast to play games. Uh, we'll find out. So other news about the Islanders, their goalie Sorokin is signed to a $2 million deal for next season, and the Islanders introduced their new home, the Union Bank of Switzerland, that will take into effect for the 2021 season heading into 2022. Connor, so – We've talked about the hiatus hockey has taken, right? Um, and the new playoff format that has been uh, put in place for this season. Uh, do you like this format? Do you think anything should have been done differently? Does it benefit any team more than others? I don't mind the play-in games. I really like those. I really that's that's very interesting to me. But uh, teams like uh, Boston, if I were them, I'd be like a little annoyed. They won trophy for the most points in a season and they have to play a, a small series with the flyers there to determine where they're going to be seated be a little frustrating um again i think it's good to have, it, it at least gives them games though to get warm at the very least 
Now, Connor, question about your Bruins real quick. I saw this over the weekend, um, maybe not even the weekend, a couple of days ago. You had nine guys that missed practice for the Bruins. Is there any is there any concern, especially with the NHL kind of keeping it under the rug, not specifying what the reasons are at this point in time? I think everyone should be a little scared what it means for every team that's coming yeah. out with uh, some some injuries, people are getting maintenance days. I'm sure plenty of maintenance days trying to push for a season this quick with guys who haven't been on ice for very long. Um, but at the same time, I would say that there's definitely some concern, especially in terms of David Pasternak and uh, Andre uh, Case or Kasha. Um, both of them were being held out and are not going to be rejoining the team until they go to Toronto because uh, they'd been in contact with someone with COVID. So that's not great. It's not great. It's not something you really want to hear. Yeah. But again, uh, a lot of maintenance days, I'm assuming, for a lot of teams. Sidney Crosby just got back on the ice today. For the Penguins, uh, a lot of teams everywhere are just hoping to keep everyone as healthy as possible going into this. Yeah, I, I like that answer a lot. Um, last year, we saw a lot of first-round upsets. <laughs> What's the mindset? I know it was insane. What's the mindset if you're a higher-seeded team like your Boston Bruins heading into the 2020 playoff? Yeah. <laughs> you want to play your game and impose dominance immediately. You're playing such a short series that you, you, you really don't want to give them at all. Like uh, if you're in a seven game series, it goes back and forth, back and forth. Someone gets up on you and they might be able to put you down real fast in this. So you don't want to have, you don't want to play with anyone. You want to bury them quick. Yeah. Good answer. Short and sweet. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, as a Bruins fan, how do you evaluate the team's performance prior to the pandemic? Obviously, you guys had the best record in hockey. I know we, we had some long nights up in Stanford with uh, some <laughs> Bruins games, to say the least. Yeah, uh, they, uh, it's a very interesting style of theirs to, to take all 60 minutes to close out a game. But uh, they got some wins. That's uh, really good. They went 7-3 and three, their last 10 games of the season. That's... Uh, that's usually how they play. They win more than they lose. That's just their style of great defense, great goaltending. They rely on Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn to just confuse teams night in, night out. That three is filthy. That's a goal scoring. <laughs> that's a filthy trio of goal scoring. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to do, especially since they, they're so good in their own end as well. But they also, yep. Boston's deep. They have a really deep team. Charlie Coyle is a third-line center on that team. It's, it's a little ridiculous. You a uh, Jack Edwards guy? No, no, I gotta ask. Fonz, we got another comment from Kyle Earhart. He is rummaging in tonight, going in hard. Let's see. The mindset is don't take any team. Don't he corrected himself. Don't give, open, any team, don't, give any team, don't give any team a chance to play their game, game, even if you go up 3-0. Yep. Mindset exactly. mentality, step on their throats and don't let up until the series is over. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think Columbus did a really good job of that last year against uh, Tampa Bay uh, in the first round. They were down, I think, 2 nothing, 3 nothing, 3 nothing, nothing, three nothing. in game three, one. Yeah. 3 3 1, 3 2, 3 3, and then they went up. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an insane first game. Yeah. No, it definitely was. I, I remember uh, having to clip that one. Uh, so. In the Eastern Conference, right? Is there any mm-hmm. team that you think will present perhaps the most challenging matchup to the Bruins? 
any specific team coming out of these matchups that'll give him the hardest time. Mm-hmm. It, it's way too difficult to tell right now. Um, I'm sure it'll be again, Boston and Toronto somehow are going to find each other. Just seems to be the pattern we've had the last couple of years. Sorry, Leafs fans. Hearts have been broken. I'm sure it'll happen again. Um, yep. <laughs> it's, it's the goaltending uh, yeah. in Toronto. They got everything going. It's the goaltending. That's really, uh, keeping them back. They have the offensive power. They have, uh, Couple defensive they're guys deep. as well. Their uh, defense is definitely interesting. <laughs> what's their um? Who's their goaltender in Toronto again? It's just it's, it's uh, Anderson, Anderson, Freddie Andrew, Fred Anderson. Anderson. Yep, he's uh, a guy. He hasn't been uh, best performing with that combination of Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, obviously John Tavares. You know, they got the offense there. They got I the offense say. there. They just um, I think the goaltending defense may be a little lackluster as well, but. I don't, I don't want to pin anything on just a goaltender, but uh, the team, the team, I don't know. It's a team game. You can't. I don't know if I want to pin it on him. Uh, I don't think he played horribly. I think he had like a nine thirty save percentage in those series and still ended up losing. It's tough. Uh, it really is. But this year again, the, I think it's interesting. Toronto draws Columbus. Columbus likes to upset people. Ask uh, <laughs> Tampa last year. I think that again, Toronto could go home early. They don't figure it out. Speaking of Toronto going home early, uh, Kyler Hart again. Who doesn't enjoy Leafs fans' hearts getting crushed? It's phenomenal. <laughs> so true, so true. Yeah. Uh, next question. Which qualifying matchup Qualifying matchup are you most intrigued by? Uh, in the East, it's definitely uh, Columbus <laughs> and the Leafs, actually. I'm very curious about this. Um, roughly two unproven goalies for Columbus. John, John Tortorella just... I don't know. He, he just seems to figure out how to win. Stanley Cup winning coach. Most U.S. Uh, coaches from a U.S. born uh, coach. Uh, very interesting, interesting man behind the bench there. Seems to be able to galvanize his group and, and win even when he shouldn't. This year is no different. Almost when they went all in last year and couldn't do it, they came very close. Austin beat him. But uh, this year, with a roster that many said wouldn't even be close, they were in the hunt for a while. Yeah, their goalie Elvis uh, Merzlinkis, I believe his name is. He was uh, he was really good down the stretch. Yeah, he'll he definitely be. Uh, yeah, so, I don't even know who they go with in goaltending. Uh, Jonas Corposalo was their other goaltender. Yeah, they both were fantastic until he got hurt, and I don't even know where that kid came from. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you who I'm really intrigued by. It's 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 Vegas. To me, because they had their coach fire this season, and then they came in and they got the Boer from yeah. San Jose, and we know that the Boer was the Sharks coach last season in the first round matchup against the Vegas uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. Connor, remember they had that game on Easter Sunday, double they, overtime. They did, yes. Very interesting stuff. Uh, I uh, not my that that that, that series uh, was something else. That was the one where. Uh, that was the game seven matchup where they Pavelski. scored four goals. And uh, where Pavelski got injured, he went down on his face from a weird, funky hit there. And the, the refs uh, looked like they jumped the call there. And yep. uh, they, they uh, five minute power play and <laughs> Santa came back. And, yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. I would yeah. Vegas. I'd be, uh, be a little angry about that this year. <laughs> Fons, is there, I, I know you're not a, as glued onto hockey. But who exactly intrigues you the most as far as, like, 
these playoffs go because I know there it, it's it's very hard at this point because we saw like the eight seed that just dominated through last year. Yeah, like Tom said, I mean, I'm not the fully like you know know so much from top to bottom about hockey. I, I watch it a little bit from here and there, but I'm definitely going to pay attention to the whole kind of like the restart of the playoffs because this is very unique and like I said with the NBA it's like any team or the MLB too any team has a chance so it's going to be really exciting so I'm definitely looking forward to watching the whole thing I mean I'm not going to hear and say an expert and be like oh I think this team's going to win this team is going to or this team's going to lose but I'm just looking forward to at least having sports back and you know I'm going to get invested more into hockey now because of this whole this kind of revamped season with the new playoff kind of scenario so and I think a lot of fans I hopefully a lot of fans will like it. Maybe we'll see some changes uh, next year. I know, I know. Like you said, Connor, hockey fans a uh, little bit stingy here. They don't want change, but I mean, hey, listen, if it works, then why not give it a give it a shot next year? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to make one last plug on the Rangers. They were given a 55 percent chance to win their series. Uh, obviously, Brady Shea was traded to the Hurricanes at the deadline. Uh, by the way, that 55 percent was from a reporter. I'm trying to remember which source that was from. I don't have it in front of me, but. Anyway, um, look, a, a lot of people are saying that they could potentially win this series. I, I still think it goes five games regardless. I think it could go either way, like you've been saying. Uh, as far as the Islanders go, they had a very sluggish ending to their season. I feel like they got worse with the acquisition of Peugeot. Uh, and it's just it, – it's very – Interesting, because last year the Islanders went into round one and then they swept Pittsburgh, uh, quite frankly, a, a team that's improved this year. And we saw, um, you know, Matt Murray really struggled last year in that series. Uh, so I'm very intrigued to see how the Islanders come out this year in the first round. Because Kyle, obviously the Islanders were positioned much better uh, before this pandemic hit us. And now they're sitting there as a seven seed in the East. Right now, so if this was the traditional playoffs, they'd have to go up against one of those top contenders. It'll definitely be interesting. I don't. I know they play. Obviously, um, they obviously play the Florida Panthers. I believe the next matchup would actually be against the Penguins. Uh, I'm not certain. I believe that it would be the Penguins who they face next. I could be mistaken with that. I'm not positive with that. But if it was to be the Penguins, I feel like that would be one of the more comfortable matchups. It's either the Penguins or the Capitals. I know it's one of the two, but I'm almost positive it's the Penguins. It would definitely be a more interesting matchup considering that the Islanders yeah. were able to Penguins are, are in a play-in series as well with uh, Montreal. Oh, okay. Okay. So completely wrong with that. But it's, it's interesting to see where this Islanders team could turn. You know, Tom, you bring up last year. It's a completely different team. Uh, Robin Lander, the season he had last year as an Islander, he's no longer here. He's no longer the goaltender for the Islanders. Actually, the goaltender now for Vegas you were talking about earlier. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. Do I think that the Islanders are favored over the Florida Panthers? Yes, but with this team, how they ended off, they ended off so poorly. You don't know what they're going to throw out there. But Barry Trotz, uh, you know, Connor, you brought that up as well. It's going to be potentially a coaching matchup and going against John Quenville is not necessarily the easiest of tasks. But Barry Trotz as well, a uh, Stanley Cup winner himself. So definitely going to be an interesting matchup for sure. A uh, couple of final comments on my behalf here. A uh, couple players that have opted out. Obviously, Connor, uh, your guy, Stephen Camper up in Boston, uh, Travis Hamonic of Calgary, Roman Polak of Dallas, Mike Green from Edmonton, and then Carl Alsner from Montreal. 
Uh, and I know Domi, uh, you know, he's, he's had question marks all over him uh, as of late. So yeah, I, it's going to be an interesting playoffs. I, I think o- overall it can pretty much go either way. Uh, any A lot of these players could end up going the distance. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Connor, any final thoughts here on hockey before uh, we let we, you we go? Did, we did a lot of the East tonight. A lot of the East. Vegas was brought up briefly, but the West is just as interesting, maybe for another day. Uh, but uh, it's exciting that we, we, we're going to be having hockey back at the very least. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm going to let you guys go. Yeah, of course. Thank you very much for joining us here tonight. Really appreciate it. We'll talk about a uh, couple of weeks. We'll have you back on again. We'll talk about the Western Conference and how that's faring out. And we'll uh, keep you up to date uh, on that. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, we'll have you back on soon. Perfect. Enjoy, guys. Good night, Connor. All right. That was Connor Walsh from Norwalk, Connecticut. And at this time, uh, we're going to transition into we're going to review and preview the NBA restart. All right. So um, the magic continues to spill over for the NBA as they are heading to Disney World in Orlando, Florida, the bubble site for the 2020 NBA playoffs um, or the NBA restart. I should say, because the playoffs technically haven't officially started yet. Yeah. The exhibition game. Yep. Yeah. So we know it will take place at the ESPN wide world of sports complex in Florida. There will be 22 teams, eight seeding games per team. Uh, so the teams are seated based off of their seeding games record. This is what I've gotten as of late. It is a little bit confusing to follow guys. I don't know how closely uh, you guys have been following this over the past week or so, but for me, it's very difficult to wrap my head around exactly what's going to happen So what I get at here is that the teams that have already clinched a playoff spot are going to be fighting for seeding one through six because there's six teams that have clinched in each conference, right? So 12 teams have clinched a playoff spot that can't be on seeded. So now you sit there and it's realistically, it's it's Dallas and Memphis against, well, actually it's reseeded. It's reseeded entirely. There's no conference anymore. Uh, according to Commissioner Adam Silver. So, but the bottom two in the West in the 7 8 were Dallas and uh, Memphis. And then in the East, 7 8 was Brooklyn and Orlando. And then uh, I believe Washington at the nine, and they were like tied with Brooklyn for the same record, or maybe like a couple games back, but mm-hmm. they were fighting as well, I know. It's crazy because I'm going to be honest with you. I, I would put Orlando above both of those teams right now because Brooklyn oh, yeah. has been heavily affected. They have nobody left, and um, and Washington doesn't Washington have Bradley Beal, so or, da- or Davis Bertans either. Yeah, I forgot so Bradley Beal wasn't playing. Yeah, so that's that two uh, bread and butter type of players. You don't have those guys. Orlando, it should be an easy task to make the playoffs, but obviously, see what happens. Yeah, I, look, it's going to be tough because these teams are actually they're permitted up to 17 players. So you don't know the, the lineups could change every single week with, with this virus. Uh, so 14 to 15 players will be on the standard NBA contract and then two additional two way spots. So at least I know I see Frank Mason's getting some time in Milwaukee. 
Fonz, I think uh, St. Bonaventure Jalen Adams is on a team right now. I think he's on the Trailblazers. Yep, former Bonnie signed with the Ch- Portland Trailblazers to replace Trevor Ariza. I know fans wanted more of a wing player, but from watching Jalen Adams at Bonaventure, great scoring guard, good on defensive end. So I think they got they got a nice player that I'm really looking forward to seeing him play, uh, backing up Damian Lillard. Maybe even sharing the four of them. That'd be really cool. It'll definitely be interesting to see if he plays a factor for Portland because obviously they're getting more healthy now with the return of Joseph Nurkic and Zach Collins. But obviously they are still without Rodney Hood, who will not come back for the remainder of the season. Let's talk about the playoffs qualification. So seven teams in each conference with the highest combined winning percentage. That includes the regular season plus the seeding games. Uh, Right, Kyle. So the seeding games play a factor but it's the I think it's the seeding record winning percentage plus the regular season winning percentage, if that makes sense. So they're they're going it based off of winning percentage, um, winning percentage as a whole, rather than just in these uh, eight games that each team is assigned. Right. Yeah, because it's not exactly fair because some teams have easier schedules than others. It's always going to pan out that way, because I'll be honest with you, New Orleans got a very good hand. And I think teams like Memphis and Toronto got the short end of the stick, yep. uh, in my opinion. But uh, so to, to earn that eighth seed, that last coveted spot, uh, you must be more than four games ahead of the ninth in its conference. If you are not, then the eight, uh, then the eighth seed and the ninth seed will play in an eight seed versus nine seed series. That will be uh, single elimination. For the ninth seed, double for the eighth seed. So basically, think of it as the eighth seed is up one nothing already in a best of three series. That's basically what it is. Um, oh, wow. There's a lot to wrap your, uh, wrap your it brain is, around. It is. Um, man, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I don't know how this is going to work. Uh, I, I think that if I had to take a guess right now, we're probably, if the Wizards somehow some way you know come within that personally it might be washington and brooklyn uh fighting it out to be honest were these were these eight games did they start today because i know that washington faced off against denver and i know that they wanted up losing right is this part of the eight games or are these like like a couple practice games prior to the actual eight games starting i'm not positive if the eight games actually start or not no, I think right now they're just going through the sim- the simulation games. Okay. And then uh, it'll officially start July 30th. The first game will be the New Orleans Pelicans against the Utah Jazz. Gotcha. Uh, obviously, the Pelicans are without Zion Williamson at the moment. And also a couple other players that left the bubble from the Clippers, Montrezl Harrell and Patrick Beverly. It's been very interesting. We've seen three players leave, and we've seen one player almost leave but stayed uh, to benefit the team, and that's Lakers guard Alex Caruso, who is missing his own sister's wedding to keep his team safe. Dedication. That's, of, that's respect. That's a lot of respect right there. I know Frank Vogel made a statement, too, just shows the uh, type of player that he is. But um, Caruso said if it was just a regular team and, you know, they really didn't have a chance, they were just playing, you know, some of those one of those six teams that got in that really didn't belong in. But he said, you know, they're fighting for a championship, you know, no matter what the season looks like, no matter what the bubble scenario is. Um, you know, Lakers were one of the hottest teams in the league um, before COVID. So they definitely, in my personal opinion, have one of the top chances to come away with the championship. I just want to make a quick plug here. Uh, 
JDF Sports Bet. They had their bucket show tonight with uh, Justin Kearns, Xavier Gadet, and Gable Larry. They did a nice job, Funds, I thought, uh, re, uh, previewing the NBA restart. They yeah. had a lot of good content. and uh, yeah, Very good. So definitely uh, on top of your preview, check out the stuff with there with JDF Sports, too. Yeah, 100%. Um, I know they have a stack lineup this week as well, so looking forward to that uh, new stuff. Um, and I know Fonz, the New York Knicks, obviously they will not be present for oh, this oh restart. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Although um, I would have loved to see R.J. Barrett and Mitch Robinson again, but yeah. wait till next year. It's all right. Right. But, you know, instead we'll get Taj Gibson starting at center. But, yeah, and Alfred Payton. Hate them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it would be nice to draft LaMelo Ball and have him replace Frank, um, to be yeah. honest with you. Frank has actually improved. Though. All right, he's not living up to that number nine or eight pick, or was it top ten pick? I it, was know, eight. it was eight. He could have got Donovan Mitchell or the original Dennis Smith Jr. originally, but he has improved a little bit on the defensive side. I think he's a good role player for the team. I wouldn't expect him to be the starter, but, yeah, I mean, maybe have LaMelo to replace Dennis Smith Jr. as the starter or something. That would be good. I mean, I, Frank, Frank is not bad on the defensive end. He's a good role player, but I think, obviously, we need some more more talent scoring wise uh, as the starting option for point guard. Cause I don't think that cuts out for Frank. Yeah. And you bring up a good point. I think middle is a role player. I don't think he's anything more than that at this time, at least. Uh, but the big talk here is the Brooklyn Nets. They had four players test positive in addition to Kevin Durant. So yeah. five in total, uh, Torian Prince, Spencer Dinwiddie, Wilson Chandler, and DeAndre Jordan. Um, technically six, if you count Michael Beasley, uh, they will be without all of these players, including Claxton, who uh, I think what he had his was a shoulder. shoulder I, thought, yeah. I, know what, I saw him. You opted out. I'm like, I didn't know what happened to him. I know I didn't hear anything about COVID. So right. So guys, the Nets have been pulling people off the street. It first started with Tyler Johnson, who was released by the Phoenix Suns earlier in the season. Uh, Tyler Johnson was pretty much duped after Ty Jerome began to emerge. Uh, shout out Iona Prep <laughs> up in Westchester, New York. Um, Ty Jerome representing New York in the NBA very well so far. So then Tyler Johnson was picked up by Brooklyn after him, 40 year old Jamal Crawford, who is now currently the oldest active player in the NBA since Vincent Carter is, is officially retired. I know Franz, you like that. Stella bucket. Nick. Yeah. Stella bucket. I think in uh, what's his, the, the notorious thing about Jamal Crawford, uh, the question was, why didn't the NBA give him another chance? I believe in his last game in a Phoenix Suns uniform, he dropped 50 points against the Mavericks. Yeah, I think it's still ball. He can still shoot. And to be honest, with all those players injured for the Nets, he might even have a starting job in that starting five for the Nets. <laughs> I love it. I can you imagine it. that? Yeah. Uh, look, guys, another thing, too, I want to bring up, uh, Michael Beasley, who the Nets signed. He, he was in Orlando shortly and he <laughs> tested positive, had to come out. Uh, terrible. They signed another former Nick in Lance Thomas. God, I forgot about Lance Thomas. Long yeah. time, long time Nick for like five, six seasons, man. Yeah, he made a speech at the beginning of last season, not this one, the season before um, opening night. I remember that. And then Justin Anderson as well. Uh, Justin right. Anderson. So Brooklyn was definitely the hardest hit team by COVID 19. Oh, yeah. oh. Guys, what type of lineup does Brooklyn even put out there right now? 
Well, the, the starting the starting point guard would have to be. It's not Karras. Is, is Karras play? Did you say Karras? Karras is a shooting guard, but I guess you move him to power. I guess you move him to point guard. Yeah, you put Jamal at, at shooting guard. You put Jamal. That's what I'm talking about. You yeah, obviously right. have Jared Allen at the center position, and then you'd have. Oh man, who do you play? Isn't Jamal and powerful. So Kyrie's definitely not playing. Kyrie's not Kyrie, playing. Kyrie's not. Let me. Let me. Yeah. Well, let me. Let me look up this uh, Nets. Just the, the full on so, Nets. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to say Karis LeVert, Joe Harris um, are definitely two starters. I think Jared Allen is definitely a third at center. I think. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I think uh, Rodnus Couric's at the four. And then probably your your bench, you have uh, Musa. And Justin Anderson, I know and that Anderson, Kevin, Johnson, Crawford. You can't start Tyler Johnson at the point. You just pick him up. Yeah, Garrett Temple's not Temple playing either. Opted out too. Yeah, you're right. We forgot I'm, about I'm, G, GT. I'm, I'm thinking because Karis Levert's also such a small forward here. Would you put? Would you put Crawford? I wouldn't put Tyler Johnson at starting point guard. Joe Harris, so like, would it, mm-hmm, wow, this is hard. So, Levert, Jamal Crawford, Joe Harris, Carux, and Jared Allen, right? That would be your starting five. I would don't imagine. forget they have Chris Chosa as well. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't he didn't get much playing that. He was more of a team player. Yeah, he'd be, be their six man though too. So, I yeah. think I think it's going to be Levert, Harris, Allen. Kurucks and well, yeah, I said Allen. Allen. Oh, you said okay. My bad. Well, Allen so Harris, Levert, Kurucks. This was this was Brooklyn's lineup today that they faced off. I believe they played the Clippers. This is what they ran. They ran Chioza at the point. They ran. By the way, Garrett Temple is playing. I thought he opted out. I don't okay. know how he did. Garrett Temple, Karis Levert, Timothy Luau. Cabarro. Cabarro. Yeah. yeah. And then Jared Allen at the five. That's, so that's, that's what they ran. That has to be that's probably gonna be what their starting lineup is gonna look like then. It's, it's not it's not very good. Yeah. No. Um so obviously we're debating right now if they could hang on to that seventh seed. Orlando is just half the game back. Um and they play Orlando twice in these eight seeding games, which makes sense because you want them to face off, uh, including the restart opener on July 31st. They actually open up against each other a week from Friday night. Uh, and then the ninth seed Wizards, obviously, without Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans. So they signed Jerry and Grant uh, and a couple others. I know the fifth place Pacers and the sixth place Sixers have identical records. Uh, Victor Oladipo, who originally opted out, is likely to play now, and he played in the team's first scrimmage. Uh, That's going to be interesting with the Pacers because obviously Brogdon contracted COVID, but I think he's there. So I think they're in a decent spot. Uh, But the Sixers have a favorable schedule. They have one of the more favorable schedules yeah. So, and they're pretty healthy. I don't think they were very affected by COVID. Uh, James Ennis is gone now. He's on. Is he on Memphis? I'm trying to think. James Ennis. I think he's in Orlando. 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 Yeah. He he contract he contract COVID. But 
I'm not mistaken, nobody on Philadelphia did. Uh, but um, Phil- Philadelphia, the only transaction they made was they signed Ryan Brokoff. Yeah, but Philadelphia, they have a lot of they have a lot of issues, and you saw that going out throughout the season. Is that they never really found their guy who was going to take the last shot at the end of the game, and Al Horford specifically, he fell off significantly. Oh, yeah. from what his tenure was in Boston, he yeah. he's not that. He doesn't look like that same player, which we thought was going to be a fantastic duo of you know having two seven foot guys in there. I believe Horford's around seven feet six eleven, maybe having Embiid and Horford in there and then having Horford as a perimeter threat as well. He just doesn't look like that guy. Ben Simmons hasn't developed a shot. They don't have a go-to shooting guard. Yeah, they moved Simmons to power forward now, I think, officially. Yes, I think they moved him to power forward for the playoffs. Um, They don't have that shooting guard necessarily figured out. I know they – because they traded Shemet, who was supposed to be their guy to the Clippers. Yeah. So they don't have – Yes, they don't have that too. score. They don't have that perimeter score, and then obviously losing JJ Redick. But they're going to be definitely an interesting team to see what they're able to do. But I don't believe that they had any COVID cases. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting for sure. We look at other teams like the Western Conference; they're sending thirteen teams compared to the East, just nine. Uh, we're looking at some of those teams: Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. All finished three and a half games behind the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, in the West, we also had the Jazz, Rockets, and Thunder all ending up within one game of each other. Uh, I think the West is going to be a lot of fun to watch as far as Portland, New Orleans, um, and Memphis. I think Memphis definitely has its back against the wall right now because they're a very young team, probably have the rookie of the year in Jabba Good job Man. Yeah. Uh, good sharpshooter in Dylan Brooks. And then, you know, you have the vet in Valanciunas, young guy in Jaron Jackson's. Look, it's it's a good lineup, but is it enough that, to make them in the playoffs? I don't think, like, having a bench that is orchestrated by your backup point guard and Grayson Allen, I don't I don't think that's going to get yeah. you very far right now. No, yeah. I think that I think that the loss of Justice Winslow specifically for the rest of the season is going to hurt them a lot, not being a Heat bandwagon fan, but um, – just the defensive mindset that he brings into the game on top of the fact that even crazy to say this, but on that roster, he was one of the oldest players on that roster, most tenured NBA players. All those guys were uh, young. Jaron Jackson only was in second year. John Moran and Brandon Clark only in their first year. Dylan Brooks um, might be in his second or third year, but now just getting the opportunity to really play Grayson Allen uh, moved around a bit. I believe he started off at Utah, drafted by yeah. Utah, and now moved to um, the Grizzlies organization, but I think that's going to hurt them as well. And we'll see what happens with these other teams specifically. I think that the Pelicans, as crazy as it sounds, if Zion does return, they might they might be a legit threat, a legit threat because these other teams have seemed to have gone down. You know, the Suns specifically too as well. Losing Aaron Baines, that's going to hurt them a lot. Um, yeah, this, the, the Pelicans might have a nice uh, – a nice little path to the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be rough. I, I don't I, honestly. I don't know right now what's going to happen. Yeah, a lot of unpredictables. Funds. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I'll be honest with you. The Wizards, Raptors, and Grizzlies have the toughest schedules, and then the Pelicans definitely have the easiest. I think Milwaukee has a pretty good too. Yeah, uh, I think really with the Wizards though, I think they're just the toughest situation overall because they don't have your top player, Bradley Beal, and. Arguably, guys improved so much in Davis Bertans because uh, he opted out just because of um, his contract year, which makes sense. Again, it's smart too because the Wizards, honestly, you're not expecting them to make a deep run in this playoff. 
Uh, the Raptors, you said it was the Raptors was the other team that said had the hardest schedule. I mean, I still believe in them. I mean, we thought when Kawhi left that they were not, it was a one time championship. We're not going to see them make another playoff run, but give credit to Nick Nurse. Developing Pascal Siakam, I mean, it's crazy to think he's actually in the running for most improved player of the year again for the second year in a row. That's how good he is. Kyle Lowry is still a consistent player. Fred Taking Lee. a guy like OG Abunaway, I can't pronounce his full, yeah. I don't know if that's correct. We went from the backup that didn't play a lot, Kawhi's backup, now turned him into, I'm not going to say Kawhi, but like sticking that starting small forward role, developing guys like Malcolm Miller. Uh, I can't even just there's Fred Van Vliet becoming yeah. an established player. I mean, give credit to the Raptors. Yeah, they have the hardest schedule, but I mean, they proved a lot of people wrong again. And I think they're going to make a, a huge run in this playoffs. Yep. Sacramento, Sacramento as well. I forgot this happened earlier on in the day. Um, even though he didn't play a lot of games this season, really hasn't um, yeah, got off to the hottest of starts. Marvin Bagley. I was uh, expecting him to. And he actually, and he actually left the bubble for this injury too. So. Yeah, I was he expecting him to make a either. jump. I thought I was, he was a guy I was looking forward to watching this season. Didn't play a lot because injury. I'm like, well, he's back in the bubble. We'll see. I was high hopes on the Kings and just they're going classic Kings again, really. Yeah. Len Parker, uh, Buddy Heald, all Darren got Fox. the virus. Fox opted out. They have uh, the talent on the yeah. roster. It's just not working on the court. No. Like on paper, they look like they could actually make a serious run. Fonz yeah. actually, I, I think it was last summer. You might have said something. I don't remember if it was at Albert's house or something, but you brought up a point how the Kings could potentially make the NBA finals this year, or maybe the Western Conference finals. I said they like, can make a, I said they can make a uh, playoff appearance, maybe hit the second round if everybody's healthy because they still oh, have yeah. De'Aaron yeah. Fox, Buddy Heald, who was a small forward at the time? Harrison – no, not Harrison Barnes. Oh. Was it Harrison Barnes? No, yeah. No, no, no. Harrison Barnes. Oh, yeah. Marvin Bagley. Dwayne, De- Dwayne Dedman, who I thought was going to be really good with the Kings. Obviously, he left. He's now back on the Hawks. Bogdanovich. They, Bogdanovich, Harry Giles. I told Tom, like, listen, if they stay healthy and they don't turn into the Kings we've seen in the 2000s, they could easily make, like, a playoff appearance, maybe even the second round of surprise a team or two. <laughs> I don't remember exactly saying finals appearance, but hey, maybe it was maybe maybe yeah, one of those crazy takes. I, maybe one of those crazy takes. Listen, Tom, it wouldn't shock me because I've had those crazy takes before. I might have puzzled up your. Uh, uh, <laughs> I might have twisted your uh, title there. Uh, no pun intended to uh, Jackbox, but uh, any anyway, um, couple of transactions. The Rockets uh, added Luke Richard, Bob Mute, and David Nwaba. Uh, I know Russell Westbrook is close to returning. Uh, I know there is a fake news rumor about Harden getting the virus. That was taken down a couple hours after because it was, it was fake news. Um, the Lakers get J.R. Smith to replace Avery Bradley. The Spurs signed Tyler Zeller to replace LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, and then recently we noticed that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich will miss the restart due to wrist surgery. So now people are saying New Orleans can beat Utah potentially in that first game, which now I'm is, saying. it's I'm looking saying. more and more likely. And this is going to be interesting because now if you're Utah, you're, Joe Ingles now becomes a starter and your bench gets shorter because now your lineup is Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, O'Neal, and Gobert, right? So yeah. – it's going to be very complicated. I'm not exactly sure how Utah is going to fare out in this. So 
uh, maybe you sit there and look, hey, maybe not much will happen at all. Maybe it'll just be the top teams after all, like we expected. Like maybe have a Lakers, Clippers, or a Milwaukee, uh, you know, Lakers matchup because the Lakers and Clippers, I'm pretty sure they'd have to meet in the uh, Western Conference Finals, right? Or no, I think it's one the way this team. I think right. the way the seating works is that they'd actually. That, that that's what's crazy, and what personally I like a little bit about how this NBA playoff is is that. The Clippers could actually play the Lakers in the finals, which would be insane. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, back to the Bogdanovich thing about Utah. Uh, you, I think Bogdanovich this season, he's having one of the best seasons of his career. I think he's averaging around 20 points per game. You, you can't replace that. It's going to be almost impossible to replace that. Yeah, you're right. The, the way he's you're played right. this season. 100%. You're right. Um, so other stuff, notable player opt-outs. We talked about Bradley, Bertans, and Beal. Willie Cauley-Stein for the Mavericks. Uh, Trevor Reza for Portland. Uh, Thabo Cephalosha for Houston as well. I didn't, didn't know he was on the Rockets. I'm going to be completely honest. I completely <laughs> forgot he was in the league. I did, not, I did not know that. 30, 36 years old, Thons. He's still around. He's a good player. I just forgot he was on the Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, latest NBA players to test positive for coronavirus. Milwaukee has Eric Bledsoe and Pat Connaughton. Bledsoe is close to returning. Connaughton's fine. He, he did a podcast today on his uh, IG account, so he seems to be okay. Uh, he just has to have two negative tests, I'm pretty sure. Uh, James Ennis for Orlando, Harrison Barnes, Jabari Parker, Buddy Heald, Alex Glenn, Port Sacramento. Uh, Gary Payton Jr. and Thomas Bryan of the Wizards, although Bryan is back and playing. Uh, Nikola Jokic, so you know, just a few guys, uh, and Aaron Baines, of course, as we brought up, that's a huge blow for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. He's their defensive anchor. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting NBA playoff, that's for sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. If I had to put something on it right now, look, I before today and this past week, finding out about Beverly and Harrell, I would say the Clippers, but. I'm starting to think my top two again are back to Milwaukee and the Lakers. Like I really want to pick the Clippers because of Kawhi and Paul George, but uh, and I understand the Clippers are a deep team because I'm pretty sure Lou Williams would start in place of Beverly and Shamit's still not cleared yet. Yeah, so that's big for your bench. Now you're without Shamit and Harrell. Lou Williams becomes a starter. Zubak is going to have to play a Marcus, lot more minutes. Marcus Morris is going to have to play take Montrez Harrell's minutes too at the power forward spot. Well, Morris, well, Morris they had starting. They left when even when they traded for him, they left Harrell as like the seventh man off the bench along with Lou Williams in that second lineup. Hmm. But uh, Morris started, um, obviously Kawhi and PG uh, with Zubac. But yeah, I guess that would mean that Lou Williams would start. But I mean, he could do it. He can do it. He's one of he's probably the best six man of the decade besides Jamal Crawford. He's actually talking about it today that he would love to share the six man with his teammate Montrez Harrell. But he could definitely start at the point guard position for that team if needed. They call them the bad news bears, Montrez yeah. Harrell and Lou Williams. On that note, <laughs> we're gonna get to some bad news in some NFL now. Uh so Flock D NFL news. So New Jersey. Limits public gatherings to 500 people outside tailgating. Giants and Jets will have no fans permitted at home games until further notice. Uh, NFL rookies are allowed to report to training camp July 21st. Quarterbacks and injured players on July 23rd. 
all other players on July 28th. Uh, wow, birthday's coming up. Uh, and currently no more than 20 players allowed at one time in the facility. Guys, I just threw a mouthful at you. Uh, it's going to be a cluster of a season. Um, yeah, you thought MLB was bad. This is, this is going to be worse. This is going to be worse on top of the fact that you look at it, you know, you look at the roster size, obviously, is that with preseason now officially being eliminated completely, it seemed like week by week they were getting rid of games, you know, already knocking it down to three games and knocking it down to two and now eliminating it completely. Um, that would, at least in my personal opinion, that would mean it would have to be a massive size roster because you're not even giving anybody opportunities because of the what what it's originally a fifty three man roster or did they change to fifty five now? It was fifty three with oh it was fifty five okay I remember it was fifty three with like six or six or seven inactive players right. So, so then with with no preseason whatsoever, you would have to probably be allowed to carry at least an additional ten plus players on that roster, not even giving them a chance. But training camp, whatever that looks like in the month of August, um. But definitely going to be a cluster. Definitely be a cluster. Especially if you're saying that only 20 people are allowed in the facility at once. That means that you can only run your – you can't even run your offense and defense at the same time. That's too many people within the facility. Not good. Not good at all. Um, so another thing, too, I noticed um, – the NFL and the NFL Players Association, they agreed to reduce the preseason to zero games, so there will not be a preseason. Um, and now they're proposing an 80-man training camp roster, which means a 10-man reduction. The uh, European players that were signed, so, for example, Sandro Platzgummer for the Giants, the, yeah. uh, the Austrian running back, does not count against the roster. So those European players do not count. or I'm sorry, not European, international players do not count against the roster. Like Christian so, Way with the Bills. I remember, like, they had those players, yeah. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I find interesting. Will there be an NFL season? See, I, I think there will be. I think there will be. Uh, Fonz uh, and Kyle, we, we have to remember that this is the largest major sport roster size, which makes most this contact. the most riskiest. Yeah. Most contact. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hockey, there's contact too, but at least you have fewer players to worry about. That's the, that's the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then also, what was another thing too? They're they're banning post match jersey swaps. Yeah, yeah so dumb because yeah, like they you're, could, you're having a you tackle play, for sixty minutes. You can play for sixty minutes, but you can't you can't jersey swap at the end for two minutes. It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, at that point, you just allow it because you let them tackle each other for sixty minutes or something. But, I, I don't. Know, I mean, it's be they, weird. They would, in my personal opinion, this would be obviously a league that would have to have a hub city. That would have you to have to. a hub city. You have to. You cannot. I mean, you have 80 players alone, and then plus your entire staff. That's easily probably 130 people that you're responsible for, and that's per team. That's uh, a lot of people to keep track of, especially with a disease running amok throughout the country right now. That's It would have to be a hub city type of scenario. And with and with you know the, the rumors about you know is there going to be a second wave if anything happening in the winter time, you know the season I think will definitely get a start, but it, there's a great possibility that it may get delayed. 
a great possibility that it might get halted at some point. Right, which is why I think they tried to schedule as few divisional games as possible when the schedule came out for uh, 2020. So that's just something I thought about. Other stuff, um, NFL will put players who test positive on IR for three weeks, so they'll miss three weeks. Um, Again, it makes sense. And then players will receive daily testing the first two weeks of camp. So these are the protocols that the NFL is being taken. Uh, I think the NFL is focusing on the wrong things right now. I think they need to be focusing uh, a lot on the safety of players because Saquon Barkley came out and said, if you don't put like the right protocols, we're not going to play, plain and simple. I think they have to do prioritize that right now, uh, which they're starting to do, which is good. Um, Might be a little bit too late, though. Yeah, it's think too they, late, you, though. I mean, you, like, think, you think, I mean, it goes on both the players and the NFL. Like, you think they would want to get it started you know, back even when they first even suspended the NBA season just as precautionary, like, hey, what if this carries on to the NFL training camps? Like, we should have some sort of a blueprint idea in place instead of waiting the week of training camp. That's just my opinion, but what do you guys think with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Granted, everything was somewhat normal. You'd be having a preseason game starting in two weeks, uh, let alone training camp, you know? So to to not have all your ducks in a row by now, not even having, you know, a set plan of action of what you're planning on doing. You know, as crazy as it sounds, it's July, what, 22nd today. We're having a football season guys in a, in, in about a month, a little over a month. I forgot we were in July. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it's going to be really interesting what they look to cram in. Cause now it's, it's going to be day by day work. You're going to be seeing news come out about what they're lo- uh, doing to try to make the game safer. So, um, gearing off from COVID a little bit to talk about um, a couple transactions. Antonio Brown retires after 10 NFL seasons. Again. <laughs> Again. He'll, 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 he'll wind up playing. There was teams that were interested in him. Maybe, you know, obviously under the circumstances, again, what's happening in the world. I hate to bring up COVID again, but what's happening, there's probably – uh, not that much focus on the free agency market and who's on the market left and just trying to figure out how can I get my guys that are already signed, my rookies, um, and my guys I already have on the team uh, ready to play a season in a month rather than guys that are floating out there on the market. And that's probably why he's taking this retirement. But Fonz, you heard as a Ravens fan, they were all over him for a solid month. The Seahawks, the Seahawks too. They were looking into him as well. Um I think he'll definitely be back in the NFL. Probably not this season, but definitely back. He has a talent. Yeah, I agree. And then Michael Bennett as well. He retires after 11 seasons. Uh, not, a, not, not a big fan of Michael Bennett, uh, but you know he, he lived out a long career. He was successful for a couple of different teams. He played for the Seahawks. Yeah, and the Patriots. I thought he was a great talent for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh but I want to talk about Cam Newton for a couple of minutes. While we were on break, Cam Newton signed with the New England Patriots on a one-year deal. Uh, this comes in lieu of Tom Brady signing with Tampa Bay and the question marks surrounding Jared Stidham. Uh, you know, a lot of people are banking on the Buffalo Bills to win the division, uh, which they haven't done since 1995, by the way. That's the year <laughs> two of us were born. And fun fact, the Indianapolis Colts won the division more previously than the Buffalo Bills. The AFC East back in when they were still an AFC East team back in 1999. Um, gosh, guys, that's 
that's not good for Buffalo. So now New England signs Cam Newton. Is New England uh, back in front again with this move alone? Or what exactly, what kind of impact does Cam Newton have? I still think it's the Patriots division to lose because yeah. they've won it since, God, well, to like every every year since basically since I've been since I've been alive basically except the one year with the Colts but yeah it's still the division until they literally lose it I still think the Bills can give them out of all the teams in the division give them a run for their money I think there's a very good chance they could I still think it's the Page division now because of the dominance they've had for so long you know just because Brady left doesn't mean like you know they're crumbling down they still have Belichick Cam Newton I think is still a great quarterback and has a lot to prove still got guys like Adam and they have the best corner and Stephon Gilmore. They have Devin McCourley. They still have talent across the board. I just think it's it's really just their division to lose. I would I would have to agree, and it was actually interesting. I'm agreeing from a standpoint in which Cam Newton actually brought up in an interview. Um, you know, he brought up you know filling the shoes of Tom Brady. He's like, you know, look what I could bring to the table. Imagine the plays that Bill Belichick can now run with me, who's a solely different quarterback than what Tom Brady was. Yeah. You know, imagine the RPOs that they could run in that. You know, even though they don't have the offensive weapons necessarily around, just what he could do in that offense alone. And you know that with Bill Belichick, the one thing that you could probably assure that's going to happen is that the offensive line is going to protect them. And that's something that didn't happen in Carolina for Cam Newton. And that's why he went down to begin with. You know, as a New England Patriot, it's almost probably guaranteed that they will be protecting the quarterback at the cost. And with that being the case scenario, with Josh McDaniels as your offensive coordinator as well, you know, what can happen in that offense? What could happen for that team? Definitely going to be a sight to see. I don't. I still think Buffalo comes out on top, but I think it's neck and neck down to like week sixteen, week seventeen. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. I'm really looking forward to having Jordan Spurgeon come back on the show to talk about this because he's a diehard Patriots fan and he knows his stuff. Even despite being all the way out on the West Coast, I know he did, he does a little podcast, the Spurge Talk. Make sure to. Uh, Check that out as well on YouTube. You can watch that. Uh, he does a lot of daily updates on the NFL, including uh, his Patriots. Uh, I, look, I think Cam Newton could potentially lead New England to a double-digit win season again. And I think the big important thing is, yeah, they lost guys like Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins, but otherwise, majority of that defense is still intact. They have two of the top five corners in football. Are, okay, not two of the top five, maybe two of the top ten maybe. I think yeah. J.C. Jackson is border borderline top ten right now. Speaking right on the bottom, 10, I, think. I know. Yeah, Fonz, you actually did a top ten cornerbacks list recently. Yeah, I had Gilmore. Was he on one. there? J- Gilmore was one. Tre'Davious White's two. Marlon Humphrey was three. No, J.C. Jackson was not on there. I had ten and Marcus Peters. He was in the consideration for ten, but I had Marcus Peters there at number ten. Yeah, I mean Marcus Peters, rightfully so. I think J.C. Jackson's a guy a lot of people uh, will not. Be sleeping on much longer, though, because I, I think he has that ability to elevate to the next level uh, coming up in Belichick's defensive scheme system. Uh, yeah, I think New England might go 10 and 6, 11 and 5 this year. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think Buffalo will finish above 500 again as well. But um, a lot of people are predicting a sour uh, third year for Josh Allen, which I find surprising now that they have Stefan Diggs. Um, in town and Devin Singletary in year two Dawson Knox as well. I'm really looking forward to see with John Brown. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting because Brown is a number two receiver, right? Diggs yeah. is that number one guy they were missing last year, especially in the playoff game against Houston. They just didn't have a guy that can make the big catch in the red zone. They have John Brown moves the chains down the field, but they couldn't have anyone finish. Uh, 
But anyway, let's talk about some other NFL news. The Minnesota Vikings uh, give head coach Mike Zimmer a multi-year extension. Uh, Vikings are two and three in the playoffs under Mike Zimmer, but Zimmer did lead the Vikings to, by a miracle, that uh, NFC championship game appearance on their case Keenum back in 2017. I really like Zimmer. I think he's a very good coach. That's why the Vikings defense is very good. And I think that we had Gabe Flayton talk about this guys. Uh, The Vikings drafted very well this year. And they did that because they lost a lot of players in free agency. Why would you pay those guys when you have 12 to 13 draft picks sitting in your back pocket? Yeah. Well, it's going to be definitely interesting to see what they throw out there in the lineup. You know, losing, they lost a lot of guys on defense. You know, I know Everson Griffin is obviously a guy still on the market. Xavier Rhodes uh, going over to the Colts. He was released. Um, who else on that defensive line? Limbaugh, Joseph. Sendejo, too. Sendejo. To the uh, Browns. With the Browns now, yeah. Steven Weatherly. Yeah. And Linvald Joseph signed with the Chargers. With the Chargers, yeah. And then they also lost Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes to the Cincinnati Bengals. Anthony yep. Harris might be on the outs because they're yeah. thinking about trading him too because he did not sign the franchise tenure, I believe, or the franchise tag. Right, because the Vikings are invested in Cousins, Cook, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, those yeah. guys. And they got to sign Cook, though, too. They still got to wait for Cook to sign him on that big contract. And they right. gave Adam Thielen a contract, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, they gave him one, so. They're protecting as much as they can, and their guys are Cousins, Cook, Rudolph, Thielen, I think Everson, Griffin, Kendricks, and Smith. I think those are their core guys, and the core pieces are still there in you Minnesota. Mean Daniel Hunter, not Everson Griffin. Yeah, Daniel Hunter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel yeah. Hunter, but I think Griffin's going to stay. That's what I meant to say. It wouldn't shock me if he comes yeah. back. He's talented. He's very good. I'm surprised they didn't bring him back yet. Oh, yeah, 100% I do uh, think he's very talented. Also, speaking of talent, uh, in-house news, the Giants bring back Marcus Golden today. Right. They officially have the rights to him. Uh, they used a tender on him May 5th, saying if any team did not offer him contract by July 22nd, he would be back on the Giants and no other team can sign him. Kyle Russo, you did an interview with Paul Schwartz from the New, from the New York Post uh, about a month or two ago, specifically on Marcus Golden. He was saying the reason why is because the asking price was too high. Well, there was also um, a lot of things that me and Paul, we talked about. He said that specifically the reason why uh, Golden, not that he's not a good player because he is a good player, but the reason why he wasn't getting the money offers that we saw these other guys get, um, uh, one name in mind, especially Corey Littleton, who was another big-name linebacker that was on the market. I believe he signed with the Raiders, I want to say, was because Marcus Golden, a lot of the plays in which he had, he was set up for a lot of success when it came to sacking the quarterback, and that's why the numbers – or as high as they were, I still think he's a great player. I think he could instantly, you know, come back in and be the giant sack leader two years in a row. I'm very happy that over this two month stretch of time that nobody did wind up signing him. And I'm very happy that he is back in a New York giants uniform. Um, especially with all these new defensive acquisitions, uh, in this past off season to work with. On that note, with two minutes left in the show, uh, funds, any news on the Ravens we should know about? Um, nothing really major has been happening. Really just outside their whole entire rookie class has been officially signed. Patrick Queen, J.K. Dobbins, Devin Dunaray. So, yeah, no major news. It's just kind of just doing some in-house cleaning or not you know, in-house like upkeep and stuff. So the rookie class is signed. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do now with Lamar Jackson. Year two as the full-time starter. 
It's going to be very interesting. As you can see, guys, on the bottom, thank you, Fonz. Uh, Fonz, uh, the floor is yours for the last minute or two here uh, before we sign off. Uh, anything you'd like to say to the review and preview uh, listeners, watchers, before we uh, end this? Yeah, well, you know, just a quick thing. But a year ago or so, I was looking kind of for work in this, in this crazy sports world. Tom reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to be a guest on uh, Review and Preview? And I've seen your guys' stuff. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll come in. God, remember, remember we went to the studio. Remember that? Remember we had a studio? Uh, I did it. I enjoyed it. Tom's like, you can come back on any time. And I was like, next week? And he was like, absolutely. And I just kept joining in week after week after week. was nervous at first. It was a live show. And then I just kept going and going. And Tom eventually was like, do you want to be a full-time co-host? And I was like, absolutely. And, you know, I have to appreciate you, Tom, you, Russo, and James, who's not here, that give me an opportunity when really no one else did for the past year. So I'll always remember the start of how review and preview. I'll always be around people. Do not worry about it. Just I'll be filling in from time to time. But I want to say thank you to the fans for watching or listening. And thank you to you guys for letting me be a part of this. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Kyle, any uh... – Final thoughts? Like I said, man, when I first heard the news on the uh, our little weekly uh, phone call that we have last week, I was a little I was a little upset. I'm going to mm-hmm. miss you, man. But you, like you said, man, you'll be back. Uh, you know, whenever it is, we're definitely going to enjoy your time. We're definitely going to have some great shows, obviously some great content brought to the table, as always, when you're on the show. And looking forward to that next opportunity that we have with you. But I'm um, very happy for you as well. Appreciate it, Russo. And, guys, Fonz will pop in periodically. Uh not just this StreamYard, OBS, Canva, uh, you know, introducing us to Facebook Live. Because quite frankly, guys, we were a radio show up until this past year. You know, we're still trying to grow this thing. We're very new to Facebook Live. And uh, without funds right now, we wouldn't be where we are. We had a show where we uh, eclipsed 1,400 views one week. And, you know, pretty much uh, we have kept evolving over time from software to software. And now I think we have a pretty good core in place. And now we have to continue to promote this thing up and uh, funds. I, I personally want to thank you um, for being a consistent member over the past year. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we know you'll still be doing work behind the scenes for us from time to time. And, but uh, until then, obviously we wish you the best and we'll stay in touch with everything. And uh, thank you a lot. really appreciate you and Not a problem, everything man. that, you've done for review and preview but um glad to be a part yeah. of it so on behalf of kyle russo and Fonz defalco i'm your host tom scavetta facebook live we'll see you next week and you've been watching review and preview here on facebook live good night everybody